the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. I don't mean any disrespect, he just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? I love the efficiency of bourbon. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Yeah! Happy New Year, Dan Aguirre! Happy New Year, Mr. Gandia. How are you, sir? How is your wife? She's feeling much better. We uh, finally had our Christmas presents open and celebrated New Year's with our two daughters and uh, their significant others and my cousin Lauren and exchanged gifts. So we had a wonderful time last night how was your uh christmas besides working 90 hours a week i did work 92 hours last week and so i got up really early sunday after about three hours of sleep watched the bears and stayed up all day and about 1 a.m east uh, right at new year's for you i went to sleep and slept 11 hours so and i slept 11 hours today too so i'm nice. feeling good if i could mention one thing before we get started Absolutely. I don't know if you saw this, but one of our greatest hits uh, manifested to the surface. 2024, we're trying to put this stuff in the in the rearview mirror, but Aaron Rodgers has struck again. And I don't know if you saw this. He said something like, "It's no. the Super Bowl for the Bears," and you know we we suck, and Green Bay's going to win that kind of thing. Um, unrelated to that, I saw this tweet and it made me again. But I enjoy it. We've had Jeff Perlman on the show twice. Mm-hmm. from Jeff Perlman at Aaron Rodgers 12 is dog shit. <laughs> truly personal experience from my far bio. One, I approach Rodgers for an interview. Two, he says, yes, set it up with my guy. Three, I'm repeatedly ignored by quote my guy. Four, the book comes out. Five, Rodgers who blew me off lies about a story I got 100% right. He is dog shit. And also, Jimmy oh. Kimmel said uh, he tried to... He apparently said that Jimmy Kimmel was involved in the Epstein kid fucking thing, you know, that everyone always says oh, Bill Clinton. Yeah, uh, you know. Epstein Island. 
Yeah, yeah. So Jimmy Kimmel was like, I don't know what this asshole's talking about, but I have nothing to do with this. You're reckless and you're a liar and you're lost from reality, blah, blah, blah. So it's not just me. Uh, there are several other people, including, including Jimmy Kimmel and Jeff Perlman, who hate Aaron Rodgers. And I'll start 2024 by saying, Aaron Rodgers, I hope you tear your Achilles in week one of next year. You motherfucker. <laughs> I'm not getting any pussy tonight. That's why I'm here. I'm not getting any pussy tonight. That's why I'm here. I'm not getting any pussy. I don't know where that's coming from, but I swear that sounds like some AI recording of me. That's not me. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> oh, so you saw the game. You watched it on tape, right? Because you didn't see it live. No, I did watch it live. I got oh, up early. Man, yeah, I wasn't going to, but I just was like, I, I can't miss out. I just, I wanted to be a part of it. You know, you know how it is. You talk to people during the game and, and that's part of it. Almost like a fraternity kind of thing, you know? And, uh, yeah, man, the, we want fields, we want fields. How can you not just be, I mean, there are a lot of people that don't like fields as much as you and I hate Trump mm -hmm. and for them, they're never going to like fields. But I think for like the 75, 80% of us that just cemented us wanting fields back. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I started vacillating because, you know, when he was going through that tough time, I was like, okay, we really got to look at these other quarterbacks. I, I want to give them the rest of the season because I believe that people can improve and people can get better. Uh, I've seen enough right now. I don't care really what happens in Green Bay. I've seen enough that they uh, to feel that they need to bring Justin Fields back. Use all of the assets they have, the salary cap money, the draft picks, to surround them with even better players. And one of the things that really struck stuck into my mind that was after the game, he said, I love DJ Moore. I have so much confidence. When he's a one-on-one, -on -one, I'll just throw it there, and he'll come down with a catch. How about if he had two DJ Moores? How about if he had DJ Moore and Marvin Harrison or Malik Neighbors or one of the other great wide receivers that are coming out? And there are several of them you know, who po could potentially be great. If you give him those weapons and you give him a the most expensive veteran center, uh, the the guy you could trust the most, who, who is going to come in and be uh, just not Cody Whitehair, not Cody Whitehair, <laughs> not Sam Mustafer, not uh, Heronis Garasu, not any of these fucked up centers we've had over the years. The guy in Miami blew his knee out, so I think he's yeah, out. Connor McGovern, I believe, is his name is yeah. So George McGovern? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. 68. <laughs> so, you know, I, I I think that, you know, you invest in the rebuild, and the rebuild started with Justin. So let's not give up on it. I know there's, there are some problems. In fact, you know, there's going to be – we're going to hear from a number of people today. Our, our, our guest, by the way, is Josh Buckhalter of Clocker Sports. It's a brand-new website. He's got credentials, so he's been in the Bears locker room. We'll talk to him about that and what's the temperature there and so forth. And we've got a 15-minute media mashup and some other clips, and then uh, 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 Johnny Santucci will join us in about 90 minutes. So, you know, you're as convinced as I am, right? All right, man. You can't buy chemistry. You can't pay for you can remember the 2010 Philadelphia Eagles signed all these free agents and they were expecting to win the Super Bowl and they didn't even make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. you, you can sign what you view as like some kind of bomb squad free agents. Dan Snyder did that a lot with Washington. 
big name free agents, and it didn't it didn't it didn't turn into a Super Bowl. Right. Not saying that it's going to turn into Super Bowl here, but the one thing you seem to have is the players. I'm sure that maybe there's somebody in the locker room. Maybe Darnell Mooney, who's always pouting and shit. Maybe he wants Justin Fields out of here. But for the most part, the team reportedly is firmly behind him. And if you watch the game and you heard the game on Sunday, it sounds like, you know, the majority of Bear fans are behind him. Mm-hmm. That equals jersey sales. Yeah. I mean, you can't pay for the team caring about our quarterback. Because like we've talked about many times, Jay Cutler had all the tools, right? But he mm-hmm. didn't have the team behind him. At any point, he had a couple of players. Kyle Long loved him. Brandon Marshall at times loved him. But the majority of the team didn't. Right. And they seemed to all be behind Justin. I mean, and then, yeah, and Justin even said, if this is it, it's a day I'll remember for the rest of my life. And then they went to the locker room and they all smoked cigars together. And, mm-hmm. And now they've got, it's so ironic that a former Packer would fuck us, but uh, Mason Crosby missed a field goal for the Giants, which gave the Rams a win, and that essentially put us out. Uh, But now we've got what I tried to get Jim McMahon to remember when we interviewed him, and he he had no recollection of it because, I mean, it was 40 years ago, but in 83, McMahon led a drive to put the Packers out of the playoffs, and they fired Bart Starr as a result of it and minus two-degree temperatures at Soldier Field. So this week, we got the chance to go and put Green Bay out up there. David Kaplan will be in attendance. That'll be fun. His yeah, first trip to Lambeau. Wow, I'm surprised. You talked about the weather at Lambeau. Let's get a quick weather report from my friend. God, wow, look at those I, shoulders. I didn't write. You're looking at her shoulders, huh? No, I'm not. <laughs> it's going to be uh, 33 degrees at kickoff. And coldest fucking perfect weather to beat the pack. Thank you to our weather girl for sharing that information with us. Um, people, of course, never really care about what the temperature is when we do this. <laughs> they are much more interested. What What is it most that you like about this weather girl? I'm sorry, like- what? <laughs> <laughs> I like it finished? all. like it aren't all. You, aren't you finished yet? <laughs> I did finish. How do you know? <laughs> Uh, Mr. Shorty says she's got a great nose. <laughs> well, at first it was just a shot of her up, and I was like, man, her shoulders are really fit, you know? Like, mm-hmm. uh, and then I saw the rest of her, and I was like, oh, okay. We're not talking shoulders here, are we? <laughs> but I, I really want to win the game more than anything, though, because, I mean, they put us out in 2013 and, you know, the last game of the year, and it'd be great to put those assholes out when they're just feeling so good. They've blown out Minnesota. Of course, the Vikings could have helped us, but they started a quarterback no one's ever heard of. Uh, and it's just like, fuck, why Why do they always do that, man? Uh, that happened to us in 2012 with them. But that, that okay, let's get back to, to 2023-24. They're feeling good. They're, they think they've got their quarterback now, even though earlier in the year they weren't behind him. But now they love Jordan Love, so it'd be great to embarrass them and put them out on their home field because it feels like the Bears right now have a little bit of momentum. Yes. You know, everyone said that the loss, the win against Arizona might as well have been a loss, and look what Arizona did to Philly. Mm-hmm. Is that vindication now that the Cardinals aren't as bad as people think since they got Kyler Murray back? Maybe that wasn't a bad victory for the Bears two weeks ago when we were supposed to not, you know, not appreciate that. I mean, look what they did to the Eagles. 
Look at what they did to the Eagles in day. That was embarrassing for that Philadelphia organization. And now reports are coming out that some of the uh, veteran players are upset with the coach and Saragusa, whatever his name is, Sivriani, whatever his name is, could be fired. By the way, did you wow. see this? From, yeah, did you see this from Joe? He, he writes that Courtney Cronin on the Bears podcast today says that Poles didn't make the final decision on Flus, but McCaskey and Phillips did. So that has to be from the first time they hired him, not about what could potentially happen for next season. If you could clarify that for us. Yeah, there's no way that I think if they told Ryan, I think if they told Ryan Poles today, he had no uh, decision in the, I think he would step down. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Um, So um, the Eagles defense has taken a huge step back and it started with when they hired Sean Desai as the defensive coordinator. Uh, We know all about that boom. Yeah, <laughs> I had hopes that he was going to develop into a, like a head coaching candidate. I don't think he's, he's going to be head coaching anywhere or coaching anywhere in the pros next season. He might maybe Mount to- Carmel needs a an assistant. <laughs> Owen's going to use an assistant over at Mount Carmel. <laughs> um, the other thing about this game, besides you know the Justin Fields, obviously it was the lead. He had a, such a game, but the defense. Uh, this defense is really effing impressive. And Jalen Johnson leaves the game, and the his shoulder was, was kind of leaning too. You just right. knew that it it might have been a separation or something. Yeah, but the interceptions kept coming. You know, Tyreek had what two? I yeah. think it was, and then another one uh, from Kyler Gordon and T.J. Edwards. And T.J. Edwards, you know. And then that thing that Kyler Gordon did when he just took off running and, like, did a fucking Olympic-style flip. That was a spider flip. Spider. Whatever the fuck that was, it was impressive. I would have broken my neck trying some shit like that. Oh, my gosh. You know, I got to believe that the Bears talked to him about that. So, okay, that was nice, but don't do it again. (laughs) That was quite impressive. Yeah. Uh, Retro uh, shared a comment, and he says, Let's pump the break breaks. Bears have played a last place schedule. Fields is a losing quarterback record wise. Enough with jersey sales. I do agree to continue, but to build. But JF one isn't worth forty million. All right. Well, you, you don't have to pay him forty million dollars yet. He's got this fourth exactly. year of his original contract. You can solidify that fifth year, and then even in the sixth year, you could franchise him. So in theory, and you could franchise him a second year if you needed to. So you don't have to give him the big, big contract for like five years if you don't want to. You yeah, control that, his fate. Exactly. That This is what a lot of people have confused about the whole situation. It's not – he's going to make six or $7 million in 24. And then by uh, right after – I think right after the draft or right before the draft, they have to make the decision on the fifth-year option. They can say no or they can say yes. It'll be 22 something million dollars for his fifth year option. And so they could say no, you know, and just evaluate the fourth season. And then they've got the option to franchise tag him if they can't agree on a contract for, as Dan said, two more years. So this thing from a salary perspective, I understand the economics, but it's not that huge of a deal right now. That's later down the line. And hopefully he will prove that he's worth $45 million. I don't want to put words in Retro's mouth, but it just seems like that's kind of like propaganda that the anti-fields people just, that's what they're espousing now, like as justification of quote-unquote resetting the quarterback clock. Mm -hmm. And I, I, the Caleb Williams guy 
to me, has Johnny Manziel written all over him. He just seems like a guy. He's eccentric. He's what is he painting his fingernails? He's crying. He's like five. He's like five two, five six. He just he's short. He's his back. Up. His backup goes in and throws like five touchdowns in the bowl game. I mean, and I, then the receiver says, "Now we're a team. Now we're a team." Exactly. Clearly, so, he was talking about Wet Williams. Yeah, we've gone from like again. I mentioned how much I like Cutler, but we, we, he was a guy that the team didn't rally around for whatever reason. We can throw out the reasons, but why would we have to rehash that? But do you want to to get rid of the quarterback that seems to have the confidence and love of his teammates with a guy that's gonna be another, you know, standoffish? aloof guy that people don't rally around. Yeah, that is that is the huge problem. You look at his numbers, he had 40 some interceptions, I mean touchdowns and five interceptions two seasons ago. He basically had that same touchdown to interception ratio, but that Notre Dame game really exposed him and since that Notre Dame game, he hasn't looked like the Caleb Williams. And so you can't even if you you know look at the past tape when he was playing at his highest level you can't excuse that performance against Notre Dame and then the subsequent games afterwards it's going he's going to be as inefficient as Justin Fields was his first year or so he's gonna it's gonna take him time to grow in my opinion if you want a, a a NFL quarterback who maybe is is plug and play maybe drake may is the guy as opposed to caleb williams i really believe caleb is going to take some time do you think it right now is is arizona second or is new england second uh let's see uh, new england is second okay so new england may be getting rid of their legendary coach mm-hmm. and just starting over and wanting a quarterback mm-hmm. maybe just maybe they don't it's almost like we we had to have mitch we had to trade up we just had to solidify our guy mm-hmm. maybe they have a guy like that and they'll trade up from two to one you draft that wide receiver maybe you get their first round pick in 25. Mm-hmm. And, i mean and then you just keep building and as we well, said marvin harrison then and then maybe an edge rusher or uh a, a tackle or somebody you, you could trade and get more picks you know mm-hmm. i Totally, totally believe that you get a, the haul. And some people are saying that this haul for the number one overall pick in 2024 draft could be the biggest ever, ever. And so we're talking, you you have a better memory than me. You recall the Herschel Walker Dallas Cowboys? Oh, of trade course. And, and you recall the Ricky Williams trade where the Saints traded the, the, the whole uh, draft for Ricky Williams? I mean, were those trades successful for those teams? It, they were for Dallas in the Herschel trade. Yeah. My gosh. They got like uh, three number ones and a couple of twos and blah, blah, blah. And so that's the opportunity that you get here. You load up on this roster and even a a quarterback like Justin Fields who could be, you know, maybe his ceiling is that he'll be the 15th best quarterback in the league in terms of total yardage and and stuff like that. Well, if if you're building the number one defense and you've got Marvin Harrison and DJ Moore and a speedy running back, as someone in the chat said, you're going to win a lot of fucking football games, maybe even a Super Bowl. One thing, not to toot my own horn here, but I told you last week with Foreman missing that game, I knew he was going to be out of the rotation and he wasn't even active. Mm -hmm. So he's probably going to be inactive against the Packers and be gone. 
But at least Herbert averaged seven yards a carry against Atlanta. And people forget Atlanta's, I kept hearing, had a solid defense. So this wasn't like a fluky win. Like Fields looked great. Uh, and, and Herbert looked great. They could pass. They could run. I mean, the Bears took it to them, man, and won by 20. It's just, I, I'm not ready to move on. I know there are some people that are, but I think Fields, again, is 24, is going to get better. Like you said, build around and draft that wide receiver. Uh, and I, I think I heard that Marvin Harrison and DJ Moore know, knew each other. Yeah, they uh, ran track together, yes. Yeah, so again, we're talking chemistry here. People that mm-hmm. know each other. It just seems like that's the way we should go. I guess the first thing we're going to find out is Monday. Inevitably, we're going to find out whether the, what the decision is on Eberflus, right? Yeah, there, I, there's no doubt in my mind. And if they keep Eberflus, it's impossible for them not to keep Justin Fields. Why would you want to keep uh, Eberflus and have him coach a brand-new quarterback and, and risk then having – to fire Eberflus in the second year and do the same thing that you did with Justin Fields. Why Why would you give a rookie quarterback a lame duck coach? Because that, that would be the thing. You're If you're starting over with, with a rookie coach, I mean, a rookie quarterback, you can't expect a winning record. At best, eight and nine or something like that. So I truly believe that uh, if Iberflus is announced as the head coach for next season, that means Justin Fields is staying. They won't announce it right away because they want to drive trade value. They want to test the market and so forth. But to me, it's it just doesn't make any sense. But the question is, though, we real quick, we will know on Monday. If they don't fire him, again, common sense says that he he's maintained his job. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for Luke Getzey? Yeah, right, right. Maybe uh, they tell him you've got to revamp the offense to stay, or maybe they say, you know what, Justin looked good Sunday. You put up thirty-seven points. That means Luke Getzey looked good on Sunday. Right. We're going to have some comments on that in the media mashup. You know, did uh, Luke Getzey save his job by now? You know, he actually ran out of the I formation a half dozen times. That oh yeah, was- my dick is still hard from that. <laughs> Get out of the shotgun on every play. God damn, I've been saying that since Nagy was here. Uh, Mr. Shorty says, Dan, be glad we didn't do a show last night. I would have pleaded my case for going elite with the coaching staff. And if you don't know, Dan Aguirre does a show over at Bears Country Productions, BCP, with Mr. Shorty every Monday night, or almost every Monday Yeah, night. I was off from work last night so for the new year, so I wasn't here at to do the show, but we'll be back hopefully next Monday. Absolutely, you will. I'm going to hold you to that. Retro says, Aldo, what you said is the ball control bears. Can you win in this day and age with the number one defense and ball control, or do we need a time machine? It's a great question, Retro. Here's what I say. In December and January, you that's what you need. You need ball control, but most of all, you need a great defense. And so I – you know, I think that you just battle to make it to the playoffs every year, you know, because, yeah, he's hasn't displayed that he is that Peyton Manning, Tom Brady quarterback. You know, they're going to end up in first place. Aaron Rodgers end up in first place in the division every year. And who knows what's going to happen with the other NFC North teams. But I do believe that as the season goes on, you need a team that can control the ball and have great defense. And this defense is giving them the ball with half a fielder or or so 
and that helps him tremendously too as a quarterback. Let's, let's not if you have no the drop passes. If you have no defense and some great quarterback, well, ask the Chargers how that's doing. How that how are they winning mm-hmm. with Justin Herbert and and not a good defense, even though they've got everyone's favorite Khalil Mack. I mean, what are they doing? I know he's hurt now, but he's under. He's got to be under five hundred for his career. Mm-hmm. I mean, Josh Allen is on not as many commercials as Mahomes, but he's he's loved. And yeah. if Buffalo loses Sunday, they may not make the playoffs. So. I'm just saying there's no guarantee that if you have some big-name quarterback that without a defense, you're going to win all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, this has been the weirdest year, Dan. You know, when we when we look back and, and remember our emotions after that Packer loss in week one, oh. I mean, I was, I was devastated. That was Me too. the worst loss because my expectations were so high. But hindsight being 2020, you know, as Iberflu said, the injuries, all the new players, you know, in that first game, people are saying hi to each other. My name is and then lining up next to each other and playing together for the first time. You know, and so you can't it's, – it's reasonable to expect the slow output. What is unreasonable is for Luke Getze to finally get the hang of, of calling plays that are more suited – for Justin Fields and what is still against Eberflus's record that will never go away is the fact that he hired a couple of knuckleheads to be on the coaching staff because we all know this thing with uh, Alan Williams was the health family thing. He did something wrong. HR, when, when you get shoved out the door like the Bears shoved them out, this, this was an, an egregious HR issue and the other guy – too. So you can't forget that Eberflus was responsible for that. So he created that dark cloud that lasted a two or three, four weeks over at Hallisaw. And so that's on him. Uh, but we got to give him so much credit, mm-hmm. regardless if he's fired in eight days or whatever many days it is now, seven, six, seven days, what, six days. I don't even know what day it is. It's Tuesday. <laughs> if he's fired on Black Monday, mm-hmm. still. That means he, you know, he went from zero and four to seven and ten. Because if he beats Green Bay, I, I don't see him losing his kick. But let's just assume that he does to go from zero and four, and the defense just being terrible. And I know the sweat trade helped a lot, but now they lead the league in interceptions. They're they top. They're close to being at the top. I think number one against the run, mm-hmm. and and they've won five straight. Suddenly at Soldier Field, I mean. This was one hell of a comeback from him. Whether he makes it or not, he gave us a great effort. Mm. Like, because he looked like a dead man walking after that Denver game. Yes. I, I was sitting at O'Hare after mm-hmm. watching that game Monday morning, and for some reason my flight was delayed or something. And right. the headline, I think it was the Sun Times, it may have been the Tribune, but I was reading the paper, and the headline was a picture of Floose, and it said horse shit. It had an asterisk for the eye. But the headline on the paper was horseshit. Mm. So the, essentially, after week four, you had a major newspaper in your city calling for his firing. Mm-hmm. And here he is now on the cusp of potentially winning another game, eliminating your, your most hated rival, mm-hmm. winning five in a row at Soldier Field when they'd gone like three years without winning a game there, it felt like. And and all the games that they lost, Cleveland, Detroit, they could have won both of those. The loss in the last minute. You can you view that as negativity. I, I get it. But if you're evaluating him, you could say, hey, man, when they, the last like eight games, when they've lost, they barely lost. 
Yeah. They they were pretty hot is what I'm saying. Had they gotten in, they could have made some noise, I think. I totally, totally agree with you. Totally agree. What do you think about what Cliff is asking here? And Anthony Heron over in one of the radio shows in the media mashup is going to talk about coaches learning on the job. But what do you think about uh, Flus? Has he learned how to be a head coach, do you feel? I can't answer that because I'm not in there, but it would seem from the outside looking in that I'm hoping, like you were mentioning something, everything went wrong early on in the season, right? They weren't prepared coming out. That is a consensus opinion from everybody. Hopefully, if he's allowed to try try this for a third year, that he's going to be thinking, okay, what we did earlier didn't work, and this is how I saved my neck. So we need to continue this. And maybe that is hiring the Phil Snow guy full-time, whether he's just sitting at the crib and watching video for you or he's at the stadium, something. Because you'd have to think if Eberflus is brought back that they're going to be like, okay, you have to name a DC now. Yeah. And maybe right. you hire somebody that's already on the staff and don't, you know, that continues your thought process. But you'd have to think, yeah, yeah he has, he has to, he must have grown to find mm-hmm. a way to turn this around. They were saying well, that he was sleeping all night at, at, in Hallis Hall. I mean, all these things he's given us all he's got, man. And I respect yeah. that. I totally respect that as well. And I and I do think that the arrival of Phil Snow helped the, you know, once those other coaches, those bad apples were out, uh, you know, that helped him calling the defense. And by the way, uh, at yesterday's press conference, he did say that he's considering calling the plays again next season. Uh, because he likes to do it and he, he thinks he's very, really good at it. So so that's a good thing. I think our guy uh, Josh uh, Buckhalter of Clocker Sports is about ready to join us. I'm not seeing his image on the screen. Let me put him on. Un- Hope he's not chatting with Alan Williams right now. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> if he's chatting with Alan Williams, he's got something to share with him. Uh, there he is. <laughs> Josh, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing excellent. Excellent. Uh, Josh Buckhalter of Clocker Sports. Now, do you own Clocker Sports? I do. Excellent. Congratulations. I saw that you got your media credentials. You've been posting some of your interviews up on uh, social media. Uh, so how? before we start talking about football, how did this all come about? When did you uh, create Clocker Sports and how did you get your credentials and so forth? What can you share with us? Uh, honestly, I, it started off as my uh, my personal blog to just, you know, as a school project, you had to do some writing. And so that's where I was putting all my work. And then uh, after school ended, I still need a place to put my work. And I wanted to be able to use that for jobs and things like that. And I decided I didn't want to have the, the whole nasty long URL that they usually give you when you work the free site. So I paid. And then I'm like, well, I'm paying for it. I need to try to make it work. And I've been writing for years now. And I, I decided to uh, press those connections and 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 got through. And and hopefully we keep going strong, man. This was a great first year. Uh, got a ton of support from Bears fans. And uh, I, I, honestly, I was overwhelmed by it uh, when it took off, really. And so, um, like I said, hoping to be back next year and do some more. Yeah, well, you do good work. And congratulations on that. Uh, Dan, who is uh, in West Virginia now, and his camera never works for the show. So you get to see that beautiful picture of him. He and I have a bunch of questions to you. I'd like to start first. We've been talking a lot about the atmosphere among the players in the locker room. Uh, I don't know when you first got into the locker room, but tell us when and what kind of a change, if you've noticed any change in the confidence level of the team and how they talk about their quarterback, Justin Fields. So I was in the locker room last season. 
most of last season. I want to say towards the tail end for sure. And then uh, all of this season. Um, and I have not seen confidence waver. And I think I've actually been, I've, I've tried to put that consistently in my uh, post-practice reports that, you know, their confidence, even when they were at their lowest, was just like, we'll get there. Like, we're going to get there. We'll keep chopping wood. Um, you hear a lot of the same, and I, I know it's, it's rhetoric, you know, it's coach speaking this and the third, but it's coach speak. And I think that kind of speaks a lot to uh, just how, how much they were remaining on course, even though things just didn't seem that way. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, who, who in that locker room exudes the most confidence? Who, when you say, man, I, I you know, I want to talk to somebody who's going to lift the spirits of a Bears fan. I don't know if you think that way, but who, who would you go to? Who's your go-to interview? Uh, Justin Jones is really good. He's always good and, and, and tells you what he's thinking. And he's, he's very, very much for uh, the organization. He's very, very much for what it means to go out there and have that C on his helmet. Um, Jalen Johnson's always giving you the truth. Um, I've honestly haven't had anybody that's, that's been bad. So I, I can't say that to anybody who's like, who I'm, I'm seeking out in particular, uh, but those two definitely step out as guys who, if, if you want that raw emotional kind of take it, not even just, you know, emotional but just that raw take they're not going to filter it for you they're going to tell you what they're thinking i think though i really appreciate it from that and eddie the, the veterans really the veterans eddie jackson is that way yeah. um mm-hmm. i'm trying to think who else will, is that way demarcus walker's that way a lot of guys really yeah they do have it, it, it there's a lot of great character uh in this team that's one of the things ryan Poles talked about when he was starting to assemble the team and he's really succeeded in, in that there, I don't. I can't think of a bad apple in there. And then before I turn it over to Dan for his questions, what about Jervon Dexter? Because we have seen growth from him on the football field. And I was reading Brad Biggs' uh, Ten Thoughts column, and he talked to Jervon, and, and and Dexter told him, "I'm a totally different player than I was at the beginning of the season." What kind of growth have you seen and heard from him? Yeah, I actually talked to him after uh, this past week, and and he said the same thing to me. He was like, you know, just being able to go out there and, and put all the things that he's been working on all season and and just play. And that's what you hear a lot from the young guys is that same thing with Tyreek Stevenson as their ability to just go out there and play now. They're not thinking as much. Uh, and you see that. It's reflected on the field is how much he's flashing. I told him, I was like, you know, we're, we're seeing you pop up uh, in the backfield if you're not getting home. Uh, and then in typical fashion, he was quick to say, but I still want to be more dominant in the run game as well. So um, I love that attitude from him. Um, but you get rave reviews from his teammates. Justin Jones told me that he's going to have a uh, he thinks Devon Dexter is going to have a really, really, really good career, like really good. Um, so that was really good to hear. And then to see it uh, actually play out, you know, see him kind of show those flashes. Um, it's it's really good. It's really good to see from him. And like, like I said, it's his confidence. He's definitely a much more confident player today than he was when he first got here. Sensational. Dan, what do you got? Uh, Josh, uh, sir, you said that you were in the locker room in 2022, correct? Is, did I hear that correctly? All right, so you've been there a while, so you know the stories. And So from an outsider looking in, and the headline for any of us Bear fans, even if you don't like Justin, and, and full disclosure, Aldo and I both love Justin, and we want Justin back. But one of the stories that came out after the, the, the smoke-filled cigar win over the Falcons was that the team is wholeheartedly behind Justin, that's one of the things that's been re- disseminated in the last couple of days. From your perspective, being there through all this growth process, whether it be like not fast enough to some people's liking, but where we are now, where we've got to, do you feel that that's a fact from your perspective that the team does seem to uh, hold Justin in high regard and they do want him back? 
I've been saying that since camp. <laughs> um, honestly, that's one of the things that I've been most consistently saying is that they have his back. When you ask them, they will tell you, I don't understand what the conversation like DJ Moore's reaction to that question is genuine. They really don't know what the debate is there because they've seen him. A lot of these guys in college, uh, Jaquan Brisker cites his, his uh, going up against fields in college and things like that and how they've watched him grow and develop. And then I don't think it's ever been a question of leadership or the kind of character that he has as a person. So when you can ma marry that with the on-field progress, I don't know. Um, like I said, what people expect the players to say. Uh, I don't think that they're being disingenuous when they say it, and I, they've been saying it the entire time, at least when I ask. <laughs> that is good to hear because, again, uh, full disclosure, we are wanting Justin back. So there's some people that don't, but that, that's what we're looking for. What do you? What, what is your opinion on – just assume for just a moment, a hypothetical, that – Iberflus is back, and maybe that's the route for Justin to come back. What do you think about Getsy then? Is Getsy come back too, or do you think that Getsy is the fall guy for the struggles this year? Uh, I think that would be the easy way, right? That would be an easy decision for them to make. At the same time, if you're going to reward Iberflus and Justin Fields for the progress that they've made, I don't know how you don't attach Getsy to some of that as well, uh, because the pr progress that Fields has made has been under Getsy's watch. So as much as it, as it might pain some fans to hear, um, the progress that it, it, it comes with quote unquote consequences. Right. And that, that is that some of these guys deserve the benefit of being able to try to work out some of the flaws. I think it's easy to, to kind of gloss over the fact that these are coaches who are also learning on the job right along with Justin Fields. So um, it was a very, very much a, a, a fledgling process. It still is in the, in the early stages uh, when you look at everything from a, a, a big view, but I wouldn't put it past anybody to, or any of them to all return here. I just think that it's kind of honest that, we got to take uh, accept the fact that Fields' progress is, has to be tied to Getsy in some way, shape, or form. It just has to be. Let me ask you one more question, just on your opinion and from your perspective. Not trying to guide your answer either way. Your honest, your your instinct. Considering where the Bears were at zero and four, and I was telling Aldo, I was at O'Hare headline in the newspaper. I think it was a Sun Times headline. Was horse shit. It just had an asterisk instead of the I, so it wasn't obscene per se. But the point is, Eberflus went from you know, dead man walking to hypothetically keeping his job. Do you think from what what you've seen, is it a put-on from the players or do they really seem to like him? Are they really inspired by him? Do they really have his back? Do they want him back? I will say, and I, you can never tell because, again, these are professional athletes. They know how the media works. They know how to operate within the media. So I will always say whenever you uh, ask them questions, I, I always find it to be a positive sign for the head coach when they are regurgitating things that he said without being asked that way, right? When you hear uh, Justin Fields quote the 200 rule, when you hear Jaquan Brisker talking about being where his feet are, those are things that you hear Matt Eberflus say at that podium, and that's things that are coming out from them without being asked. So um, I think that's that says that he's ingrained his way. Um, I actually wrote an article about the nicknames, right, that he's given out to all the players, and it's a, an endearing way, and it might seem a little corny, whatever the case may be, but it's a way to connect with the players, and they seem to – it reverberates within that locker room. Those guys enjoy talking about it. Um, they enjoy what's going on with the defense, and when you see how they've stayed together, again, um, I don't know how players could not respect the ability of a head coach to keep that locker room together through all that they went through earlier on in the season. Aldo? Gosh, 
I, Josh, I think that's a great point. You know, I, I look at Matt Eberflus. I mean, my preference is is to have a more dynamic speaker and, and leader being the head coach of a football team. And when Eberflus was first introduced at the press conference and he's talking about hits and acronyms and this and everything that you read in the, the coaching books that I read when I was in fourth grade at the Chicago Public Library. Uh, he was, you know, saying these things. But you really believe that these players have uh, authentically uh, uh, adhere to those words and really believe that and act on it, huh? Well, I actually asked him in the middle of the season, how does he keep players uh, adhering to the hits principle when the things aren't going the right way? And he says, you have to keep drilling on it. He mm -hmm. looked me square in the face and was like, no, you just have to keep preaching it. And because then when the results come, you can reinforce it with that message. And sure enough, the results began to come. They got the 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 uh, extra horses in Montez sweat. Now the production is coming up for everybody. And again, when you see the results reinforce the message, Got a little, we got Josh frozen here. Uh, yeah. That's a great shot of Josh. Josh, you might need to log back out and come back in. I'm not sure you can uh, hear us or see us. So what I'm going to do is take you off the screen. And then if you can join us back, that would be great because we've, we've got more questions for you. So let me kick him and then uh, hopefully he can join us. But tell you what, you know, the Josh uh, – Buckhalter story is a good one too. Love to see uh, young talent uh, being allowed to talk to the players, interview coaches, attend press conference, and so forth. It does appear that finally the Chicago Bears organization is embracing uh, new new media. There he is. Uh, thanks for coming back. Um, I was just saying that it's great to that the Chicago Bears organization is embracing new media and uh, allowing. Uh, new voices to report on the team. That's a big part, but please finish your thought. I don't know if you, if you know where you left off. I believe I was talking about the, uh, the, it's a positive for the entire locker room. No, no, I was done. Yeah. I'd wrap that up there. Okay. They're um, they have, they've kind of bought, I feel like I said, it can all be media trained uh, uh, answers, but it's been stuff that's come back from the head coach's mouth that we've heard him say, and they have not been asked, what is a head coach? It's their thoughts on it. And they'll say again, 200 rule feet, uh, be where my feet are and things of that nature. And I, that can only be viewed as positive. All right, we got some questions now about uh, the team itself and your thoughts on the, on the team. Uh, Dan is of the opinion that Deontay Foreman, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Dan, Deontay Foreman should be the number one back. Dan has an affinity for power backs that, you know, the guys, you know, Larry Zonka back in the day and all these. Uh, John Riggins, he showed, showed me some tape of Dan, Dan of John Riggins <laughs> recently, I think. Uh, and so – what is your feeling on the running back situation with the Chicago Bears right now? Foreman is going to be a free agent. Khalil Herbert is under uh, one more year in his contract. Of course, we we know that Rashawn Johnson is still under his rookie deal. He's finishing up his rookie season. What are your thoughts about the Bears' current running back situation and what it could look like in 2024? I think they're in a very good situation. I think the fact that we that you can have this kind of a debate about it shows exactly how strong that room is. Um, and they've proven that they they know how to run the ball when they commit to it, um, no matter who's back there, to be honest with you, because we've seen Herbert go back for back-to-back 100-yard -back games. He hadn't done that since last season. So um, I, I agree that the, the usage of Foreman has been kind of odd, 
because he's proven that he can be a capable runner um, when mm -hmm. you give him the carries, but he does seem to be a guy that kind of needs the carry. So I think what I would not have any intel on this, it just seems as though they prefer the big playability of a Herbert and then the versatility of a Roshan Johnson. And then you get the special teams of Travis Homer, right? And you don't get that from Foreman. So it's it's a, a numbers game more than anything. I don't think it reflects on what they think of Foreman. Um, I know that can be taken that way, and it, it can't be easy for him knowing that he's produced as he has when given the opportunity, but he's not constantly or consistently given that opportunity. Um, he's handled it well. Uh, again, though, I just can't come I, – I, I default to this is a good problem for the team to have because you really can't go wrong if you give any one of those three guys, the top three guys, uh, the ball enough times, you're going to make some hay. There you go. Now, what about the wide receiver situation? DJ, The DJ Moore trading the number one draft pick, I think that was genius, and DJ Moore is really paying huge dividends. But what next? What do you think happened to Darnell Mooney, and what do you think will happen with Darnell Mooney? And if he's not with the Bears uh, in 2024, what would you like to see happen with Darnell Mooney, that, with that X receiver slot? Uh, uh, you do you feel like the Bears should invest a high draft pick or, or what? So to answer what happened with Darnell Mooney, I actually will point you to Robert Tunyon. And in my conversation with him, he said that we expect there to be some growing pains within this offense. And then you had Luke Getty talking about how the, the targets are funneled, quote, not he didn't say funneled, but they are essentially funneled to DJ Moore and Cole Komet. Well, in an in a offense that's still in its early stages with two you know star level players, the way they're performing this season, I could see how Dar Darnell Mooney could get, you know, kind of lost in the wayside there. We know what he can do when he's right. He's said all season he's fully healthy, can run all the routes. Um, there's there's was a connection between him and Fields, and I just I feel like if maybe if he was to come back, I'm not saying that he will. I don't know that he what kind of offer they'd be trying to give him, what he's looking for. But if he were to come back, I think you would see a bounce back season from him just because the offense will be it will be more settled in. Fields will be able to spread the ball around because he'll be able to react quicker. I think that's one of the other things that we just it's a complex offense like. A lot of players have told me that it's not necessarily that it's different because football is universal, but a lot of the terminology and things and, and the checks and things of that nature will kind of get players discombobulated when they first get here. So um, if you recall, we saw receivers struggle last year, halfway through the year, they still didn't know all the plays down pat. So I think if Mooney comes back, you will see a, a bounce back to closer to what we saw uh, before he got hurt last year. As Kay has up on the screen, do you think the uh, bat, uh, the ankle break that he had might still be affecting him? I remember he did an interview with uh, Equinemia St. Brown on his him and his brother's podcast, and he talked mm -hmm. about the type of surgery that he had. And what caught me off guard there was not what Mooney said, but was but what St. Brown said, that he had a similar type of surgery and that his ankle does not flex anymore. Now, again, Mooney has sworn that he is fully healthy, that he can run all the same routes. Um, I'm not a doctor, so I don't pretend to know. I just remember that, that when that conversation happened, it, it kind of stuck me because I was like, oh, Mooney didn't seem to mention that. He didn't, he, but it, he kind of noticed like, oh, well, maybe I should you know, worry about that in my rehab. That was when he was still missing practices and things of that nature. So again, he says he's healthy. When he's gotten the ball, he's made things happen. I can only go off of what I've seen. So I would imagine that he's fine. He just has not gotten an opportunity right now, but who knows? All right, another area of concern besides that other wide receiver uh, position for Bears fans is the center position. Now, we've had, what, uh, three people played center this year for this team. Um, what do you think is going to happen in the offseason? Would you, you know, there's a lot of talk in our chat room and, um, and Bears fans and social media, you know, draft uh, 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 the top center in the draft. 
but other people feel like it should be a veteran center. You want a veteran to come in here and lead the entire offensive line. What thoughts do you have in the center position for the Bears? Uh, I think that it's a, a situation where they're going to have to balance whether or not it's personnel or a lack of chemistry. That offensive mm -hmm. line has shuffled so much that the only thing that you would have to say is, okay, the bad snaps. Well, we see bad snaps across the league, so I'm not necessarily saying that they're going to hold that 100% as the final uh, uh, straw for Lucas Patrick. He is a respected veteran in that locker room. Um, he's a guy that has lifted up Justin Fields when he was down, other teammates when they were down, um, has had high regard for Tevin Jenkins and helped bring him along. So these are things that, again, they, they do weigh in that locker room. I know that they talked about it, right? You just mentioned what Ryan Pohl says about character and things of that nature. However. You can't ignore the fact that on some of those short yard situations, they don't get the push that they need. Mm -hmm. uh, the snaps, like I said, the snaps have been a, an issue all season long, even when you made the change to Lucas, who has kind of solidified things after it was a shaky in the beginning of the year. Um, but I don't I don't think that you can leave it alone. I don't know if you go with a rookie or if you go with a veteran, but I don't think you can just leave it as, as it is because you just have not seen any sort of consistency from that position. And you're trying to that that's key if you want your quarterback to have that. Mm -hmm. Indeed. What about uh, on defense? Um, the team is playing so well on defense. Do you attribute it all to uh, Matt Eberflus taking over the play calling and the acquisition of Montez Sweat? Or do you suspect that perhaps the addition of Phil Snow as the defensive senior analyst has helped uh, Eberflus? In fact, I listened to most of the press conferences. I'm not sure he's ever been asked about Phil Snow since Snow was uh, was awarded the position. So I would say it's probably all of the above, to be honest with you. I think okay. that having Phil Snow has taken some of that responsibility off of Iberflus's plate. Um, calling defense was not something that he came here to do, so you just have to imagine how much more responsibility that is for him. Um, the players also have gotten healthier, right? That back end was beat up early on in the season. Um, mm -hmm. They were missing a guy like Montez Sweat. And again, you were missing your linebackers as well. So all three levels of the defense were kind of impacted by injuries early on. Um, you did lose your defensive coordinator, so that was a transition. Um, I remember Demarcus Walker saying, I believe it was Demarcus Walker, saying that it wasn't necessarily that Ibrahim called the defense differently. It's just a different voice, and they were still getting adjusted to that. So, again, it's D or it's, it's E D or E, whichever option we left off on. It's all <laughs> of the above because they really have just come together. And I think again, another positive sign for this locker room. Yeah, um, Jalen Johnson. Uh, he probably could have been signed at a much cheaper deal about six, eight weeks ago. Now uh, he might be demanding the most money for any cornerback in the NFL. And frankly, I wouldn't be upset if that was his demand. I, I, I personally would not pay for that if I was the GM, but you know, every, it, it, whatever he's going to get paid in 2024 is in 2025, there's going to be somebody who's going to pay, be paid more. It just always goes up with the salary cap and so forth. What are your thoughts about Jalen Johnson's future with the Chicago Bears? Uh, I think this is a situation where you're probably happy that you are going to end up having to pay, have to foot that bill if that's what you choose to do. Um, he is, you could say that they could have signed him for cheaper months ago, but we don't know that he would have accepted that. His value in his eyes has never wavered, right? And he said that it's only gone up from there. So, yeah. I, I'm hard-pressed with they could have signed because they've tried. Paul said they didn't get the chance to get to the, the whole back-and-forth exchanging of offers stage when they did their negotiations. Um, but both sides have remained open to continuing the relationship. Jalen said he still wants to be here, and that is the best sign of all. So if you got to pay him, 
that means that you, he did a great, a great job. You do worry about paying a guy off of a career type of season, but he's always been a guy that limited what the opponent could do. He just didn't have the takeaway numbers. Now with other pieces around him, they're kind of having to go to him sometimes, and he's able to take advantage of that. And so, again, it's a good situation to be in. For Poles, this is, this is really turning out to be the best of, of what he could have asked for because even with the Fields thing, he, he can have his pick of what he wants to do. But, um, you know, that one of the things th that has given me pause about the Jalen Johnson situation is he exits the game with a shoulder injury and then, all, you know, we get four interceptions or, or maybe three of the four happened uh, when he was on the sideline nursing that shoulder. And that tells me that the pass rush is so superior nowadays that quarterbacks are throwing it up, that passes are getting tipped and so forth. And not to say that, you know, you can draft a, a cornerback and he's going to come in and play at the Jalen Johnson level. But if you are contemplating paying Justin Fields $45 million a year, and I know that's two or three years down the line, maybe that's one of the areas you have to sacrifice and reload, reset. You know, everybody's talking about the quarterback reset with their salary for Caleb and blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe, maybe you apply that instead to the cornerback position and then you can have that money squared away for Justin Fields future if you decide to give him that huge contract that uh, he's going to demand what are your thoughts on that uh you can always try to front load the contract for Jalen Johnson give him his money now um pay him for what he's done you know and tell him hey we believe that you're going to do this now and give him his money now and so then uh, if it comes down to the point and even that could work you work for you in two ways because you get your money back for what you need for fields and then if Johnson's not performing up to par all that pay it's already paid off you're done you've already done what you had to do and you can kind of move on from there so um I wouldn't worry too much about you know having to match up those two line timelines I would just worry about you know now he can go to free agency you don't want to apply the franchise tag because when you start using the the other mechanisms to keep a player around relationships can sour and that's what you really want to avoid because they've done a really good job of having a group of guys that stick together and so that if, if anything is your is the finest line that post has to walk it's just not agitating somebody who again is a leader and a voice in that locker room and to the point about uh drafting cornerbacks who can come in and play at Jalen johnson's level we've heard tyreek stevenson and terrell smith both talk about how they've they're finally clicking and it's finally getting there now which is a tribute uh, uh a testament to what polls has done what Iberflus has done on the on the uh, field, but also those guys talk about what Jalen Johnson's helped them do. Tyreek Stevenson noted watching Jalen Johnson's film to help him get to where he is today. So these mm -hmm. are things that, again, when you're building a team, it can't just be X or dollars and cents. It's got to be some some of the Jimmys and Joes that are in there, too, because that matters. Do you think if Jalen got the transition tag or the franchise tag that he would hold out? I, I don't know. Um, it's a lot of money. Right. You still want to go out there and you still have a job to do. You don't uh, you can't get if you don't play. Right. So you kind of you kind of are, are in a situation where I think he would go out there and play. It might be begrudgingly, but I think he would go out there and do his job and lock down because he's a professional. He, he said that before. Like, I'm not I'm not here to to rock the boat, per se. He's he's there to go and do his job. And so um, that's what I would expect. They've all, these young DBs have also given credit to Eddie Jackson. You know, Eddie gets a lot of heat, and many times rightfully so, because he's not the best tackling safety out there. But a lot of people, uh, it goes unnoticed that he is the quarterback of that defensive backfield. Um, what do you think about Eddie Jackson's future with the team? Do you think that he is back in 2024? I think that's the last year of his contract, but there is a salary cap savings if you release him. I think post June first is when when it would you know really uh, offer you offer the team uh, more money. What are your thoughts? 
I think Eddie Jackson and Cody Whitehair are the two guys that you're going to have to watch this offseason. Two of the veterans who have been here the longest who could not, who could be elsewhere next season because of what you just talked about. The Bears don't need the savings, um, but they could choose to move on at any time because it's always better to do it too soon rather than too late. It's easier with Whitehair because you've already moved him to the bench for the most part, right, until uh, the injury started striking. Uh, Jackson's still a vital part of that defense. So as you said, he's quarterbacking those guys, helping the young guys along. Um, he's also a spiritual leader in the locker room. I got a story coming out soon in the offseason about how religions kind of help bring the guys together. So that'll be something to keep an eye out for. But Ooh, yeah, cool. it's it's definitely um, not as easy, again, as what is production. And his production hasn't been maybe as bad as we want it to be. It's not it's not 2018 BoJack, right? All pro status. Um, but but Eddie, I think, has has been better before the injury last season and then he's been better as kind of the season's kind of worn on this year he's kind of had more horses around to, to protect him he doesn't have to be exposed like that mm. uh mcfact uh wanted me to ask you uh what do you think about getsy perhaps getting an offensive c c consultant a senior offensive consultant like snow is for the defense do you think it would help uh luke getsy uh if you brought in somebody like a Jim Caldwell or a, a veteran offensive coordinator to help scout teams for Luke Getze? Uh It could. Uh, I also think, though, that if you're at that point, you might be like dangerously close to just replacing him anyway because that's what he was brought here for. So if that's not how he, how he was operating before, I think bringing that up to him, unless it's his idea, is something that's very right. treacherous territory. And uh it's like if, if I don't believe that there would have been a Phil Snow without the Allen Williams departure, right? You wouldn't have seen um, – it's a similar situation to what you see in Atlanta where there's talk of Arthur Smith giving up play-calling duties. That's why he was hired, you know? So it's kind of it's kind of a, a catch-22. Like it might help him, but then you might as well just move on if you think that he needs to have that kind of, a, of, of help anyway. Yeah. I do think it, that it is a great idea to have somebody on the staff. I know coaching staffs are growing and growing and growing. I hear some of the old timers like Ed Pradovich and Dan Hampton, you know, complaining about that saying they got more coaches on, on. Dan, you do the best Ed Pradovich impersonation. Ever. <laughs> it was, it's impromptu though. I don't know if I can do it. Just like, Oh, do it, do it, do it. But he's always like, idiots. <laughs> they hate Eddie Jackson. Oh, it's criminal. God. Criminal. Put his ass on the bench. <laughs> Eddie's always been more of the playmaker than the cover guy. Like he hasn't been the the confines of the defense guy. He's been the let me capitalize on your mistake guy. And so that oh, gets yeah. harder as you get older. You, you don't move the same, you know. So mm -hmm. it's tough, man. But Eddie's a solid guy still. A solid veteran. Like I said, he speaks to the media whenever asked. That's why he got won the the Jeff Dickerson Good Guy Award. Um, and he really he really I guess encapsulate what it what it is to be a bear. He spoke about that during his speech. So. Yeah, it's it's tough. I hear a lot of the Eddie talk, and uh, he he just laughs at it a lot of the time. Can I ask you a question though? I know we we I don't want to interrupt the flow here, but no, no, we're fine. Well, he referenced Alan Williams, and we kind of not made a point of. It. We're just saying you're talking about him, and you moved on, and we're, we're talking about Flus. But I presume you were there when all this was going on, like the FBI and Alan Williams's computer and all. Can you tell us the kind of like? like mayhem that was going on for your job like from us looking in again it's just like you're like what the hell is happening how are these stories manifesting if there's no validity to them could can you take us behind the curtain what was it like being there when all this was happening in real time so it was like any other day. <laughs> um, I, I hate to be so anticlimactic, but I pulled up to the to the the guard gate, and I'm like, "What's the deal?" And he's like, "Dude, I don't know what's happening. Nothing was happening here." And he had been there the whole day. I pull in, and people are as confused as everybody else. Like, "What is you know? What is? What do you mean? There's FBI? What are the raids?" So as people are probing and and trying to find out questions, 
you start to realize that a lot of the sources are people who aren't in the building, aren't around the building, haven't been around the building in a long time. And so when those people's sources aren't matching up with the people's sources, and that's not me. I'm not claiming to be an insider in any sort of way, shape, or form. People who are in that building and are those type of sources or have those type of sources aren't saying the same things. And so when I started seeing that, I was like, oh, this is just the internet being the internet. So um, mm. you just you just got you got Twittered, man. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. Right. So, Josh, when you showed up, were there uh, 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 law enforcement vehicles there or nothing? It was just like any other day, any just like you said. <laughs> <laughs> that is weird. I started getting, you know, texts from people, you know, who have some sources and so forth saying something weird is happening over at Al. Mm -hmm. So not getting all the information and stuff, but uh it uh and, whatever it is please go ahead yeah no and i was just gonna say it there might have been some weird stuff happening within the building but i'm saying the entire swat team raid and it's all doom yeah. and gloom and everything's nine one no that wasn't the case so whatever yeah. happened they held it and kudos to them for being able to contain it this long because we still don't know the full facts of what all went down um yeah. for being able to contain whatever issues they felt like they've had and, and it's happened multiple times so whatever that may mean you know long term we'll see but they've addressed those issues they feel adequately and they have done their best to put it behind them. And again, it has not impacted what they've done on the field. I got another one for you then just because we kind of don't know like the story. Maybe you don't know it either, but it felt like uh, Chase Claypool, you know, was asked I'm just a paraphrase was like, are you, do you think that the bears offense is using you to the best of your capabilities? And he answered honestly, was like, no. And then it was like, okay, bro, you're gone. <laughs> I mean, there, I was like, God, there has to be more to it, right? Why would you get rid of this guy? You gave a second-round pick for him. He looks like a Greek god when he's standing there. He's in shape. I know the Bears didn't win a single game when he was here. He only caught one touchdown. You can point to all these things as saying that he was a bust and terrible trade, but what happened? Like, why was he let go? From I mean, like, it just felt like there must have been something that we don't know. It couldn't have just been saying, oh, I don't think that they're utilizing me correctly because – He's right. He only caught one touchdown here. Like he's better than that, right? So this is where I will commend Matt Eberflus 100 because he got there on that podium and he said, and he he he'll never blast a player. He's a player's coach in that regard, but he will tell you what the issue is, right? If you listen to him talk about fields, he'll say consistency. We want him to show what he's showing us consistently. For Chase Claypool, it was what he was doing from Wednesday to Friday. It wasn't what he was doing. And then on Sundays, right? Because then that bled into Sundays. He wasn't practicing right. He wasn't showing the right habits. He wasn't showing up to practice on time. These are what Iberflus told us. He, he didn't even try to hide that. So mm -hmm. when you when you don't do those things and then they show up on the field as well, and then on top of that, you go about chirping, this is what happens. This is a guy that they propped up in the preseason as the number two guy. Him and Justin were hanging out. He had Justin's back and vice versa the entire summer, Right. Then you go out there and you're not doing what you're supposed to do Monday or Wednesday through Friday. And then on Sunday, you're given that kind of effort that we saw in the, what was a Tampa game? I believe it was where he wasn't blocking. And, and, and then you go to the media and say, well, no, they're not, they're not using. That's cool. They might not be, but there's probably a reason why they're not getting you the ball. You look at a guy like Tyler Scott, he's had a rough start to his career, right? They mm -hmm. keep giving him those opportunities because he does the right things from Wednesday to Friday. That's what's most important, most important to Matt Eberflus. I am so glad that you said that because, you know, I, I've said it a few times here. A lot of these decisions were, you know, we, we were wondering, well, how come this guy didn't play more and so forth? It's because of stuff that we don't see. Is there a performance in practice? Is there a performance in the classroom? It, all these other intangibles. And Iberflus 
tells us almost on a weekly basis, you know, we make decisions on who's going to suit up and who's going to play and so forth based on what we see during the week. And that's a good uh, approach. You don't want to reward people with snaps if they're snoring in, in the quarterback room or whatever. So, uh, Josh, you've been a great guest. Uh, people are clamoring. You know, PZ says, although you have to ask Josh to come on more often, and I certainly will be bothering you uh, so that you can come on more often. Tell us again about Clocker Sports. In fact, I'm going to put up the uh, uh, page of the website and tell people where uh, they can find you on social media and all that good stuff. Yes, please. And I appreciate you guys for having me on. This is really a lot of fun. Um, You guys are, are great. Uh, you can follow me on on Twitter. I still call it Twitter. I know it's X. I still call it Twitter. Uh, <laughs> at Josh Buck. Uh, you can also follow the site, Clocker Sports. That's on all platforms. Uh, we're on TikTok. We're growing there. And then follow the, the YouTube channel, man. That's growing really well. And that's where you get to see all the videos and stuff. The uh, Some of the locker rooms. Some of them I post to social media. Some of them go straight to YouTube. So you're going to have to subscribe to make sure you're getting everything. So again, thank awesome. you guys so much for having me on. Okay, Josh, before you go, can I ask you one more question, please, sir? Yeah, please go ahead. All right. Again, I know you're not making the decision and I'm not going to be like, ah, this is what you said. You were wrong. It's just, just your instinct. Where, where does this go next week? Is Eberflus back? If he is back, is Justin coming back? What do you think oh. is going to happen? So I'm, I'm, it's not even a secret. I think if you listen to what my answers have been, it's kind of trending towards people coming back because they've shown too much, too many positive signs down the stretch here when they needed to the most, right? The pressure had been building. Now I would say that we probably, they probably helped, but overhyped them coming into the season, but they have definitely shown the steps that you want to see as the year goes on. So I would have to say that in, if I had to take put money down right now, Eberflus will be back, and I would look at the moves that they've made. This does not seem like a roster that's built to take a step back, which is what it is with a rookie quarterback. Just doesn't seem like that to me in my estimation. I hope question. you're right. Got another question, real quick. Uh, were you in the locker room after Sunday's uh, victory over the Falcons, and did it smell like cigar smoke? Oh, it was heavy. It was heavy, man. We all noticed <laughs> it when we walked in. It was like, oh, oh, y'all were celebrating. celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> all right, brother. We'll be in touch, man. I really appreciate your time and your wisdom and uh, your great guests. Really appreciate it. Sure thing. Anytime, guys. Have a great night. You All too. Right, Thank you. That is Josh Buckhold her over at clockersports.com. Great guess. I'm so happy I found him. Um Yeah, I and I really hope that he's correct. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that that aren't, but mm -hmm. I mean, uh, how would you feel right now like if I told you all jokes aside, I see into the future, Aldo. I can tell you right now that that was Justin's last start at Soldier Field. Doesn't that make you feel? I don't want to put an answer in your mouth. Does that make you feel down, depressed, or unhappy? Yeah, you know, I I the week before the game, I put up, you know, because there was this great shot of Justin uh, shaking hands and meeting with the fans after the win against the Cardinals. And I said, next week could be a sad day. It could be Justin Fields' last game at Soldier Field, and people, you know ridiculed me it's not gonna happen or what are you a baby or something whatever and this week though i i didn't allow that to seep into my mind but when i saw that press conference and how he talked about you know that was the greatest game i'll never forget this game the snow coming down and i don't like snow but the snow coming down and the victory and how we won and and the fans chanting for my name i i, I really got emotional about that because i do feel 
like this is part of the rebuild. You know, we've been patient. Can't we be a little bit more patient and give him 2024? It's not like we're going to lose $50 million. Now, if you, but I'm not really hearing this from a, a lot of people lately. If you really feel like Caleb Williams is a generational talent, that 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 is starting to simmer down because of his performance against Notre Dame and other teams. And there's a lot, this is where the questioning starts. This is when the scouts are going over to USC and talking to the clubhouse attendant, talking to teammates, talking to training coaches, talking to administrators, school administrators and so forth. Like uh, Greg Gabriel says, this is where you start to get all this information. You start to learn about the guy, whether he's a good teammate, whether the players really play for him and stuff. And I got a gut feeling that the reports are not going to be favorable about uh, Caleb Williams and where you already got a leader on the team and guy who is gone through the hard knocks of being a rookie. Yeah, this is this is to me is a no brainer. You got to give him another shot. And again, I know that our opinion of Justin Fields isn't like superior to what they think in the front office. But it's worth pointing out in our lifetime, in our lifetime, how many quarterbacks do you can you think of in your duration as a Bears fan that routinely would get cheers or the, the majority of the fan base was behind. Maybe Jim McMahon. That's it. Maybe Harbaugh sometimes. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little Mike Tomzak, because Tomzak, you know, was a scrappy fucking guy too, you know? Yes. Maybe Eric Kramer. But no one was saying, we want Cade. We want Cade. We want Jim Miller. We want Rex. Again, I liked Rex, but the people weren't clamoring for him. We weren't yelling for Orton. We weren't yelling for Cutler as a whole. Again, I love Jay, but Soldier Field wasn't. Hell, Lance Briggs said there were times that they would announce the defense just to avoid Jay getting booed. <laughs> so you see, my, no one was saying we want Trubisky. All right. So it's what I'm saying is that should play if his teammates have his back and the the team, like the fans, like you know, we're the you know the Seahawks call us the twelfth man, whatever. That's got to matter a little bit, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and in fact, when you mentioned Mitchell Trubisky's name, it, it reminds me that he was booed. Uh, when, he, when he was drafted, he came to Chicago. He went, went to, to a Bulls game. <laughs> exactly. They booed the shit out of him. <laughs> I was not happy about the pick and the fact that we had to trade up to get him. I mean, what a dunderhead move by Ryan. Pulse, but I mean pace, but that was uh, really a rude, <laughs> rude uh, uh, welcome to Chicago. But you're right. I mean the the amount of love bestowed on Fields this past Sunday reminded me of Jim McMahon that that era where fans were 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 chanting for Jim, and there was this myth growing. Now you know the amazing thing about Jim is I think the most touchdown passes he had in one year was 15. And he never put up the great numbers, but he was just such a leader. And, and the a, team, other than Hampton, loved him. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Um, Flex, Flex is, you're going to love this one. Flex says, I screamed for Shane Matthews over Kane. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I screamed for Shane over Jim Miller as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Cordell Stewart did that. 
Did you scream for him? <laughs> no. I, I thought like, Cordell I, had some skill, but yeah, and, uh, yeah, he didn't exactly uh, perform. I, it was inevitable that 03 was just going to be his only year with us. Yeah, I was excited when he joined the team, but that excitement didn't last. Yeah, long. I really wanted that. You know, Cade or not Cade? I'm sorry. Cordell was their second choice because Jim Miller. Uh, we gotta give him credit. He he. He he's not the most talented guy. He had a 400 yard game against Minnesota. He he did well in 01. I don't want to take anything away from him. 02 he showed a lot of heart on a bad team, but he got hurt and it was clear he wasn't going to be back. So they were going to go with the veteran quarterback. If you recall, the guy they tried to sign was Jake Plummer. And oh, if Jake right. had gotten here, I think Jake was really talented at the time and could have helped us a lot, but he chose Denver. Mm. So we signed Cordell and drafted Rex. And by the end of the year, Rex was our starter. And, uh, you know, again, like Greg Gabriel said, if Rex didn't hurt his ankle, his career could have been a lot better. He, he couldn't move it, which is what they reminded me of that when he talked about Darnell Mooney potentially not being able to flex his ankle now. Mm -hmm. That's what Greg said happened to Rex, that his ankle just was, yeah. you know, immobile after that surgery. Mm. Yeah, that's, you know... You know uh, that's interesting. By the way, in the chat room, Mr. Shorty just—I guess there's some talk about uh, Fields going to the Falcons, and Mr. Shorty, who lives in Georgia, says he's a no season ticket holder there. Oh, there you go. He says no one is giving a flying fuck about the Falcons, including getting Justin Fields. So I have heard that the Falcons may not be as interested in Justin Fields as a lot of people speculate they might be because he's a hometown guy from there. That they they would prefer a you know this was the writer from the Athletic. He was on with Hogan Johns, and he actually said that they would prefer somebody like. Her cousins, more traditional quarterback from the pocket as oh, opposed take to him. Take him. We don't like Kirk. We don't want to see him anymore. <laughs> yes. By the way, I got to share this with you from Zach Sullivan. When we had our guest on, Josh, and you asked a question about, you know, what happened on the uh, fateful day about Alan Williams, Williams Day, he posted this. Thought it was a bomb. Turned out it was a dildo. <laughs> <laughs> It probably was. We've said it before. It probably it must have been something sexually. Yeah, you know, it happens in every corporate, not every corporation, but in a lot of corporations, there are people at work during the nine to five hours sneaking a look on on porn. Some corporations have it actually blocked out, but some people know how to get around it. It happens. When I worked uh, at the, a, a corporation for fifteen years, I had to fire it people because of that hey you know uh it department filed a report with hr saying you visited these sites over this period of time and so forth and the guy said well everybody does it guess what you're fired <laughs> that so, reminds me when i worked at the pd uh one of the officers had somebody pulled over and, and he was like i was going with the flow of traffic and he goes <laughs> The response, uh, and this guy, he passed away uh, from COVID, actually, but his name was Officer Vance. He goes, well, you've been fishing before. You can't catch all of them. <laughs> he said, I reeled you in. You were speeding. Here's your ticket. I love it. That's yeah. a good one. <laughs> all right. Uh, Johnny Santucci is scheduled to join us in about 15 minutes. The media mashup is 15 minutes long. Do you mind if I play it now, Dan? No, but it, it, can I ask you for a small favor? I, Absolutely. Can you let me take a leak first? Because I don't want to miss it. I didn't get to listen to a lot of reaction 
from the weekend. So I really don't want to miss it, but I do have to pee. I mean, I need, I need like two minutes. Can you like talk to the chat group for like two minutes or something? Take take as long as you want. All right. Don't start it without me. I'll be right back. I promise. All right. Uh, I see Johnny Santucci just popped in when I was mentioning his name. So he's putting his headsets on. He's going getting ready uh, to do his bare state of affairs. Uh, Tooch, look at the screen. This was even before the show started. Nano said the bears state of affairs is epic. So, Desperately, uh, there are people desperate to hear what you've got going for us, and you promised us a really good one, so uh, we should have that soon. Uh, and Dan will join us quickly. I, I want to uh, just let people know what I've got in the media mashup. First of all, of course, we always start with Hamp. It <laughs> quit stalling all those access. <laughs> I'm stalling. <laughs> You're right. Hamp and OB are going to start things off. And, of course, OB is still not happy despite the win and stuff. So that's always entertaining. <laughs> that's how Tucci wrote that. I am the god of thunder, and I bring you fire. Beep, beep, beep. Beep, beep. Um, the second clip will be uh, first time uh, Peggy Kaczynski, my old friend, uh, joins us uh, via her show on ESPN 1000, her post-game show with uh, Jerko. This was actually Joe T told me, hey, you got to play a clip of uh, Peggy and uh, Jerko. But that show is four hours, so I couldn't find anything extraordinary. But I did uh, play a clip, and then uh, Joe, uh, hopefully the next time you hear something good, if you can kind of give me a, a sense as to where I can find it, especially if it's a four-hour show, that would help me. Uh, Mully and Hall talked to uh, Biggs about what to do with that first overall pick. Uh, the score, 670. Burns and Holmes talked with Anthony Huron. I think this is the first time we've had him on in our media mashup. He does really good work in analyzing the Chicago Bears, and he's got some excellent thoughts. I kind of uh, uh, talked a little bit about it. Excellent thoughts on Luke Getze. So I think we'll want to hear that. And then we conclude with Peggy, again, Peggy Kaczynski with Cap. And Cap shares a really interesting story about what Ryan Poles told him when the Kansas City Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes and the process they went to, to interview uh, and assess, I should say, Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Kaiser. Those those are the first, the top four quarterbacks coming out in the draft. And so, uh, 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 Ryan Poles revealed to the Cap the process. And I think you're really going to like that. Um, what else do we got here? How was that Rose Bowl last night? Uh, hey, Tooch, can you pop in? All right. There he is. He is. What's happening, fellas? Johnny Santucci. And I'm back as well. All right. Uh, say hi to John Santucci, Dan. What's up, Tooch? How are you hi, feeling? Hi, Danny. Doing be a lot better, man. Good. Good Said to hear. I, I hate cold and flu season. Oh, man. I've oh, I thought you had crabs. No. <laughs> fired up again uh before i roll the media mashup tooch uh those two bowl games last night i know dan didn't see them yeah but, uh, did you see any of them and uh, quick thoughts you want to share with us before we get to the media mashup and then bear state of affairs yeah i mean uh you know george jim harbaugh finally getting the big win and uh uh you know jj mccarthy played a really good game and made passes when he had to uh, Alabama's quarterback, you know, couldn't seem to make the, the uh, big play. And, and, you know, some strange play calling at the end there. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. On the goal line, you know, a lot of like uh, Luke Getze. 
<laughs> and then uh, Washington. I loved Washington that game. I thought they had a chance to win that game outright. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Penix just man, he threw laser bolt, laser bolts all over the field. Man, I really like that kid. But I mean, you know, when he was at Indiana, four season, four season ending injuries. But uh, you know, he's he's an older guy too. I think he'll be twenty five when he enters. I don't know how old he'll be, but he's old. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, health health wise, he'll. Uh, He'll make if he stays healthy, he'll make some team pretty happy. I bet guy can, guy can really sling it, he really can, man. Yeah. And you know, Penix was somebody that a lot of people were saying is the second, second round talent. The way he played last night, man, he's got first rounder written all over him. I can't see a team, you know, in, in the that 20 area that needs a quarterback would bypass Michael Penix and try to get him up in the second round. That's ridiculous. All right, let's go to our media mashup, and then Tooch, Dan, and I will talk about these clips, and then after that we'll do Bears State of Affairs. Stand by, everybody. Here we go. There's a lot of questions that still have to be answered. You got to look at the quality of the, of the people that were playing, the teams were playing. That that has to come into the equation, and you know you love to see him do it against the teams that lead and whatever have you. But things are what they are, and they took care of business, and and that was a good thing here today. Now we got one more game left. We got to go to Green Bay, and if they can keep that going, we'll see what happens. For the first time all year, we uh, we were heads and shoulders. Better than the opposition. How about throwing a football down the field for, well, for one? Yeah. Well, not only that, but okay. But again, you know, the old Chinese proverb, you don't need a hatchet to remove a fly from a friend's forehead. We did what we set out to do, and that is to not only win the game, but dominate it. And the time of possession and the yards, you know, that the offense was able to generate, it was – it. Maybe, maybe, and again, your point about the opposition, this was a bad team. We saw a bad one last week. This one maybe may have been worse. All that being said, Andy, mm-hmm. this was a game that a lot of people, a lot of people really were thinking this was a game that Falcons would come in and not only win, but dominate the Bears. And it was completely opposite. So kudos not only to the players, but to coaches, both sides of the ball, and, you know, at some point, that's what you do when you are a better football team. And we haven't seen that all year. This may have been the first time we saw a superior effort on all occasions. Well, I, what I liked, Dan, was finally, let's just take the fourth quarter, period. We actually had our quarterback actually throwing the football. Actually throwing the football, trying to convert on third down, and trying to put points on the board. We haven't seen that all year. We haven't. No. So it was nice. Whenever it happens, we got one more game to go again. But I'll tell you what, I'm I'm not all of a sudden going to start putting roses on everybody and, oh, this is this and this is that. (laughs) There's a lot of (laughs) negative stuff still here with this football team, with the coaches and with some of the players. But they put a lot of deodorant on the product today. (laughs) But, you know, as we close out the year 2023, a lot of things happened this year that weren't good, especially the start. This is kind of a really neat thing to see them win five in a row at home to close out the year. Do Getsy and Fields have a rapport, don't they? You'd have to sit down with Fields and find out. 
Right. Jess, what do you think? If you're keeping Justin yeah. Fields. How those, do you feel? Yes, those what do are you, honest conversations. What do you really feel about Lugetzi? Somebody's going to have to talk to him, and it's probably going to be the head coach, Eberflus, and it might be Ryan Poles. Hey, can you guys work together? But the minute they got rid of that horizontal passing game, the better they became. You, you got to be able to go downfield. And maybe your quarterback developed a little bit over the course of the last four and a half months, too. You can't take away from that fact either. I mean, everybody just sit there. He's not the same guy he was in September. I'm sorry. He's not. And if you can't see it, well, then that's your issue. That's not my issue. Listen, if they are giving head coach Matt Eberflus uh, a longer uh, string uh, to, to a learning curve to correct some of uh, the, the ilks, let's say, then maybe they will do the same for Luke Getze. Be prepared. It doesn't mean that they're cleaning house. Be prepared with the direction the way this team is going. As you conclude uh, this um, trade with, uh, with Carolina, that is really something special to get the number one overall pick again. What do you do with it? Yeah, well, it's the gift that keeps giving. And keep in mind, they get a second round pick from the Panthers in 2025. Right. Like this, this is going to be the end of the trade. You, you sort of wonder if Scott Fitterer, the Panthers GM, will be out of work here shortly. Tough times for Panthers fans. What are they going to do? I, I don't think it's fate complete because I, th- I think they've got to talk about it as yeah. a staff. You don't have time during the season to meet with your front office people and your coaches to talk about decisions that aren't due anytime real soon. Justin played fantastic in the win over the Falcons. There's no discounting uh, what he did against the Falcons defense that statistically has been good this year, but he was uh, outstanding against Atlanta. He was outstanding against Atlanta, Brad, and he had the fans chanting his name. And Will all that emotion and all of that kind of public opinion have any role, play any role in Ryan Poles' decision on the quarterback? Because what he did was Justin Fields made it easier to justify keeping him if they want to keep him. I, I don't know. I mean, that's to be determined. When you talk to Ryan Poles, pretty measured. You can sense that he's able to do things without – uh, being derailed by emotions. He comes from Kansas City, and the Chiefs had a popular veteran quarterback who was having success when they traded up to draft Patrick Mahomes, right? Alex Smith was playing good ball for Kansas City when the Chiefs surprised everyone with that decision in 2017. So that strikes me. Now, is he making a call on that? No, no, not at all. Uh, but he was the college scouting director, and he saw how those around him obviously were able to, I would think they would tell you they were acting without emotion in, in that instance. So it's it's evaluating the quarterback they have now, where they see him going, and then how they see the arc for that working out and how they would envision an arc for a uh, drafted quarterback. When Matt Eberflus first came in, when, when Luke Getze came in as his OC, the thing I've tried to consistently remind people of is that first-time coaches have to develop as well. And we, we tend to think of these things and discuss these things as though 
the players are the main ones who require development. But especially when you have a first-time head coach and a first-time offensive play caller in the NFL, then there's development that can take place there that that should be expected. You want people to get better at their job as they do the job longer. And I do believe Luke Getze has legitimately improved at the job of being the Bears' offensive play caller, the Bears' offensive coordinator. And it's still been at times inconsistent, frankly, just like his quarterback at times has continued to be inconsistent. But I, I think at this point there there is at least – there's enough evidence that there's something salvageable here. And it feels odd to think that going into this final game, even without a playoff berth still on the line, but this final game against Green Bay, I do think that both Fields, Getsy, frankly, in my opinion, still Eberflus have, have put themselves in position where where this is a pivotal game for for their potential futures with the Bears. And a couple of weeks ago, maybe that wouldn't have felt like the case specifically with the Bears offense, but I, I do think that that that's on the table now because it's all growing, man. I, I don't. I was talking to Monty about this this morning before we were on the Big Ten Network together. I can't think of a time. I, I grew up a Bears fan in this city. There have been so many different quarterback controversies, quarterback quandaries and discussions. I can never remember a time where a stadium came to life in unison in support of the Bears quarterback in the way that, that we just witnessed on Sunday. That should not be any sort of main ingredient in the decision that Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren will have to make in the future of Justin Fields as the Bears quarterback. But I got a hard time thinking it's not a factor in it because all of it is about, you know, I was talking about this on Post Post the other night. I've been a part of teams that have lost a bunch of games at collegiate and professional levels. I've been a part of teams that have won a bunch of games. When you're in the midst of, of growing together, when you have had this shared struggle and now you can all tell that you're coming out of it, that you can see the light at the end of the tunnel and that, you, you are now perhaps on the uh, on the scope of maybe doing something exceptional together and the individual who has been the main pincushion for all of it, the Bears quarterback, Justin Fields at this point, is one of the ones leading the charge out of this. That's a part of why the locker room has been so boisterous in their their galvanized support of him. And it seems to me that, you know, not that Bears fandom in, in general, in mass, is is this unified you know, sort of voice where all Bears fans are in support of Justin Fields coming back next season. But I do think there's a recognition that this shared struggle of last season's teardown and now all of them building something together, that the idea of Justin Fields being a part of that, it certainly seems to appeal not only to the locker room, but to a, a large number of Bears fans. And that strikes me as something that that may factor in here. Ryan Poles admitted last week before the game against the Cardinals saying it's a quarterback league. You have to make sure you have done all of your homework to make sure you are doing what's best for your organization. Correct. He explained to me in a one-on-one -on -one discussion, mm -hmm. he sa I said, how did you evaluate, this was last year at the Combine, how did you evaluate Patrick Mahomes, Mitchell Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, and he also said Deshaun Kaiser. There were four at mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. He said we did, Matt Nagy actually had to do the write-ups on the top three guys. Andy Reid said, compare the top three. And the reports, Nagy still has them. He said, I would be very leery of Deshaun Watson. He's already torn an ACL. 
thin wrists, thin ankles, wildly talented, great leader in the room at Clemson, but I think he has a propensity to get hurt. It's not all he had a propensity for. Yeah, we didn't know about the other stuff. Um, the lotion king was not going to be the right That's decision. Right. Okay, He said, Mitchell Trubisky, the ultimate project, has a good arm, he's athletic, he's a great kid, he work ethic off the charts, teammates respond to him, but he's as raw as they come. Patrick Mahomes, four and six his last year in college, generational, do not miss, do whatever you have to do to trade up to get him. Mm. He was right on that. Right. Okay. He said, we then brought Patrick Mahomes to Kansas City. He said, Andy Reid has this glassed-in conference room off of his office. He said, it was the two of them. None of us in there. Five hours. They were together. He said, he brought him into that room. Did a little quarterback school with them? They did quarterback school on a whiteboard. Yeah. He then flipped the board over. Let's go to lunch. They leave and go eat. They're gone for two hours talking about life. Oh, he was testing. They come back. He said, okay, tell me what was on that board. Uh-huh. He said, Mahomes nailed it. Now, it came out later. Negi had showed up at the, at the hotel the night before because he wanted them to take him and slipped him the answers. Oh, come on. Yes. Mahomes told us on the Travis and Jason oh Kelsey gosh. podcast. Hey, when Andy X's nose with you, here's the plays. Memorize those. Oh, my You'll have gosh. Them tomorrow. And he That's did. crazy. But he said, I never knew how to read a defense. I learned from Alex Smith and Andy Reid and Matt Nagy and Eric Bieniemy. All these dudes helped me. Right. He'd be a dope, is what he called it, a dope with a B on his hat if he came here. Well, so the, the moral of that story is to go with the guy that already has the tools, not the guy that is a project. Justin Fields has been the project. But Patrick Mahomes was a project at that time. But that's not the way they saw him. They saw him as a guy that had the tools, can't miss. We can mold this guy. Yes. Guys, I want to get your reactions to what was said. Dan, I'll start with you. Uh, What was the first and foremost comment by any of those media people that caught your ear? What's his name? Anthony Heron? Yes. Yeah, I was listening to, because that's what you and I have been speaking about, how the crowd reaction and, and all that encompassing it, how that would play into his consideration, his being either Warren's or or Poles's. But it, it sounds like at least Anthony, big Anthony Heron thinks that it it's a positive, that it could help. Yeah. Is you that know, the and- way you took it? That's exactly the way I took it. And the other thing that he brought up was about coaches learning. And I do believe that anyone that that starts a new job, something particularly that you haven't done before, you you need to give that guy a little guy or gal uh, some time to develop. And the easiest thing is to fire him, fire him, you know, fire Justin Fields, fire Luke Getz and so forth. But if you have an investment, Give it a little time, you know, and a lot of people will say with Justin Fields, oh, it's been three years. He's had enough time. Not when you consider all the circumstances brought in by, with, by a lame duck administration, uh, not given any offensive weapons. In, in his second year, it's a rebuild, a total c- collapse of the Rops roster with no playmakers except for himself. 
And now in third year, you're starting to finally see some progression. And so, uh, and I, the same thing could be could be applied to Luke Getzey. What do you think, Duke? Uh, about the Aunt Heron comments, or yes. or what I thought was the a comment that uh, yeah, whatever I you mean, want to comment on. It's it's embarrassed state of affairs, but uh, you know that we want Justin cheers at Soldier Field. I guarantee you, the owners box heard heard all those. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, Warren, for sure. Bears, brass, you know, and definitely think it'll figure their decision. You know? Yeah, and we know that George has been on the record. McCaskey is saying that he likes Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. He's a fan of Justin Fields. Now, again, he's he would also tell you that they have a team president and a general manager to make those decisions and not himself. But it, it, at least we know that he likes Fields, though. He's a fan. He's he's mm-hmm. told us that. Yes, indeed. Anything else uh, strike you guys that you'd like to comment on? Yeah, I think it was uh, Yurko who said once we went to more of a vertical passing game, Rather than the horizontal passing game, that's what we've been saying all season long. Yeah, you know, not exactly. only that, but Fields was under center more. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I've been that, calling for that the the whole time he's been here. Yeah, I don't know if uh, if you follow Barrelissimo on uh, uh, X, he broke mm-hmm. it down pretty good. Where uh, the quarterback could see, uh, you know, the defensive a lot better under center. You know, oh, yeah. and and the defense when you're in shotgun. They can uh, uh, read the quarterback's uh, eyes, you know, uh, what, what he's looking at, too, is what, what he might do. Yeah, they have more time to react. Uh, under center, you can't, you know, you can't always you run play action, bootlegs, waggles, all that stuff, quicks, ran slants, you know, crossers. Mm-hmm. You know, we we talked about this on tailgate right before the thing. I was like, can we have some slants? You know, someone said, uh, I forget what it was, probably Gypsy Mike, you know. Uh, cause mm-hmm. it was a dumb comment, <laughs> but he said, uh, uh, he can't hit a slant and, and, you know, tailgate guys, they were like, we've thrown three slants all season. You know, I, <laughs> that's not fields fault. All right. And the you know? cool thing about fields being under center to me is that you see a game like when Khalil Herbert averages seven yards a carry against the Falcons, how many times this season like the game I was at in Cleveland. Now, granted, we still almost won it, but the running game was just non-existent. No rhythm whatsoever, and that's not the backs' fault. It's just the play calling never got the running game going. How how effective would I say this rhetorically? How effective would Fields be with a consistent running game? And I don't mean just he himself running. I mean Khalil Herbert or or Roshan Johnson or Deontay Foreman. If he, if we're pounding the rock, it's only going to make him even more dangerous. Indeed, indeed. So that's one of the reasons, you know, as the weeks go on, we'll talk a little bit more about the draft. But I've been looking for a couple of, you know, running backs that can run that 4-4. I, I like all three of the running backs currently on the roster, but I'd love a Yeah, I, I was thinking about this. I was about to ask Bear Lissimo, give me a guy like Devin A-Chain to break away. Yes, you know, exactly. that's, what, that's what's missing. Yeah. You know, I was at the Senior Bowl last year uh, doing some scouting, and A Chain and Tajay Spears were the two speedsters that caught my eye. And I drafted in my fantasy team. I drafted Spears. Boy, I wish I would have drafted. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have inside info? (laughs) Saw it first, Tad. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about regarding um, the uh, what? What do you guys think about OB's? still being the curmudgeon regarding the bears and his lack of hope and faith. I see you want to get that, in on that's this. A, that's a shtick. 
Yeah, know? I guess that's what He's it is. He's a grumpy right? old man. Yeah, I you think know? he means it. I don't believe. I oh, think yeah. that's his real opinion, though. I truly do. It keeps mm -hmm. him in, in, in employed, though. It keeps him employed, though. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I bet that show gets good numbers just because people love to hear. Oh, I mean, yeah. he expresses the fans' angst. Uh, he's done that yeah. really well. But I do believe, I, I do hope that he starts to really see the improvements on this team. Ibraflus is even getting better as a head coach, and he's been disgruntled with Justin Fields, and I hope that he starts to see that. And the biggest surprise is his dislike of Montez Sweat. That oh yeah, I, that is baffling to me. Like, it, yeah. and Sweat could have three and a half sacks in a game, and he'll still say that's money that should be spent elsewhere, and that was a bad trade. And like, but for Fields, at least he said the night Fields was drafted, it was the wrong move. Yeah, it, yeah he but, said that from the jump. But the Sweat thing is baffling to me. Yeah. I'll, all Poles has to do is trade with the commanders and get that Montez Sweat pick right back. <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> that that first round pick that we got uh, was the Panthers. We had the first round pick last year. We traded to the Panthers. We could have the we traded to someone else like the commanders. We can have first round pick next year too. Yeah, exactly. You know, or close to that, it. And the next year after that, now it could go on forever. All right. That that yeah. is a pretty incredible. As Big <laughs> said, the, the the pick that keeps on giving, yeah. twenty twenty five second round pick. You know, yep. you, you you make some transactions. Yeah, Gabriel said Gabriel said it could go down in history as the biggest uh, trade ever. Yeah, the most I, valuable trade ever. I I believe it very well could be. Okay. And giving me even more faith is the the play of the guys that. Uh, uh, Poles is drafted. You know, Dexter is playing so well. I mean, he is starting to get it. Man. Did he have two sacks Sunday, do, or was it yep. like a sack and a half? I think there. I, I think the expectation is is that the NFL was going to make it a, a sack and a half, but unofficially it was two sacks. Okay. But yeah, uh, Dexter, those defensive backs, those young defensive backs. I mean, Tyreek Stevenson had a hell of a game. When yep. he reached in and and knocked that that pass down yeah. and then the interceptions, I mean, did it God, without I'm, interference. Mm -hmm. Great play. And then he's interviewed in the locker room and he says, you know, you know, we, we just stayed focused. We heard, you know, people talking about us and stuff, but we just stayed focused. He seems. Again, just about everybody that Ryan Poles has drafted, they seem so mature and What's knowledgeable and smart and good team Let's not players. forget Bayless Jones now. He might be mature in age, but it was a bad pick. That might that, be a bad pick. That, there's no doubt about it that he hasn't worked out as a wide receiver. But now maybe we have to start to consider him as a uh, running back because he hasn't looked too bad uh, running the ball out of the backfield. Or we could just cut him. <laughs> I also am worried about Tyler Scott too, man. It's fields of stats could be so much better if that guy could catch the fucking ball. Yeah. It's funny. And again, the, the mark of a leader, uh, Justin after the game said, Yeah, you know, he, he talked about the play and, and all that stuff. And he but he just boosted Tyler up saying, I know he's gonna make these plays. He's improved so much since the beginning of the season. After the Cleveland game, I texted him and encouraged him because I see so much on him. He's gonna make those plays. It was like, dude, you are have become a great leader, Justin Fields. I'm so proud of you. 
All right, uh, it is time oh, for yeah. the Tooch to do his thing. Oh, it is called State Bear State of Affairs. Here it comes. All right, Bears State of Affairs 2023 NFL season. New Year's Eve party hosted by Justin Fields. Yeah, what's happening, Barflies? Well, the Bears won their seventh game of the season in grand fashion, taking down the Atlanta Falcons at Soldiers Field on New Year's Eve. The Bears demolished the Falcons 37-17 in a game many Bears fans thought might be Justin Fields' last game at Soldier Field. But after the game, Bears fans were cheering, we want Justin at the top of their lungs. Players heard it, quote, of course I heard them, Jaquan Brisker said. I want Justin. We all want Justin. Let's go. If players heard the chance, Bears ownership and management sitting in their skybox high above Soldier Field definitely heard it as well. With Sunday's win over the Falcons, the Bears are now 7-9, and nine, and the team is building definitive momentum heading into the final game of the season a bookend rematch of the season opener against the Packers in Lambeau Field. The head coach of the Bears and his starting quarterback definitely heard the fans, quote, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life, said Fields after the game. Justin Fields' performance Sunday is likely a key part of the argument to keep him in Chicago and build around him in the long term. The controversial young quarterback was nearly flawless Sunday, going 20 for 32 for 268 yards, one touchdown while adding 45 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Fields beat the Falcons with his arm early and then gave the fans some Fields magic on the ground to salt this one away in the second half. If Sunday was Justin Fields' last game at Soldier Field, he went out with a bang, giving his fans something to celebrate on New Year's Eve. The Fields opened the game with a laser to DJ Moore along the sideline and finished the drive with a bucket drop for a seven-yard touchdown from number one to number two. The first half was Fields at his best. 24-year-old quarterback played a clean half of football outside of two sacks. He was accurate, made precise throws down the field, and used his athleticism to extend plays while still looking to throw downfield. He was 13 for 17 for 166 yards and one touchdown while adding 21 yards and a touchdown on the ground in the first half. It was one of the best halves of his career alongside of his first half against the Broncos this season, in which he had just one incompletion. All in all, Fields finished the day 20 for 32 for 260 yards, a touchdown, with 45 yards of touchdown on the ground. But he could have had two more touchdowns if Tyler Scott had come down with two beautiful end zone passes from Fields. He could have easily had 300 yards and three touchdowns on Sunday. This was the version of Fields whom fans have been yearning for. A quarterback who can beat you with his arm, but with the rare athletic ability to escape from a sack and turn a seven-yard loss into a 30-yard gain. It's unclear what the future holds for Fields, but Sunday was a reminder of how good it could be when everything clicks. Beleaguered head coach Matt Eberflus also made a case for his job on Sunday. He's now led the Bears to seven wins, a marked improvement over last season's three wins. A lot of people be upset if Eberflus is retained. That's understandable after a 14-game losing streak and those unfortunate fourth-quarter collapses. Because of those blown leads to Denver, Detroit, and Cleveland, the Bears brass now faces difficult decisions at coach and at quarterback. But coach Eberflus is well-liked by Bears players, and he has the Bears defense playing at a very high level. 
against the Falcons. The Bears defense allowed just 229 yards on only 58 plays for 3.9 yards per play. The defense had two sacks, both by rookie Gervon Dexter, and four interceptions with two by rookie Tyreek Stevenson. Outside of a 75-yard touchdown by Falcons running back Tyler Allgaier on a screen pass, the defense had hardly a blemish. And just imagine if the Bears hadn't blown those fourth-quarter leads and were now on the brink of making the playoffs this season. With the defense playing this well, a lot of teams probably wouldn't want to face that Bears defense in the first round. In truth, though, neither quarterback nor coach has produced enough in 2023 to warrant full confidence for 2024. Both have shown room for improvement, and Ryan Poles has difficult decisions ahead of him. The problem with replacing the Bears' head coach and quarterback is that any new coach and any new quarterback will definitely enter a much better situation and command a much better roster than Flus and Fields had in 2022. So any comparison is going to skew massively to the new guys. Flus has basically done the hard work for any successor to reap benefits. He's like the new John Fox. Look, if the Bears are keeping Matt Eberflus, they 100% need to keep Justin Fields. I don't care who the offensive coordinator is. The Bears cannot risk continuing the same cycle of drafting a quarterback with the head coach going into a lame duck year. Add in the fact that this Bears locker room absolutely loves both Eberflus and Fields. That's something that the trade Justin Fields crowd doesn't seem to ever consider. That the move could definitely damage the morale and camaraderie that Ryan Poles has built with this roster. This is what I want Poles to do this offseason. Scout every quarterback, attend their pro days, meet with them, explore the trade market and the free agency market, consider all the offers for the number one overall pick, consider all the offers for Justin Fields, and then make a decision based on what's best for the Bears in the long term. I'm genuinely thrilled Justin Fields got his moment Sunday. He's handled all of the pressure of being a Chicago quarterback admirably, including the meatballs and the haters and the bajant sexuals. The Fields haters will never admit they were wrong on Fields, even if he throws for 300 yards and demolishes the Packers next week, because those fans are never wrong about anything. Just ask them. Fields is an NFL starter that's beginning to look silly now after the Falcons game that Bears fans have to wonder whether he'll be playing somewhere else. Fields isn't perfect. No NFL quarterback is. Look at the decline of Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City this season. Without great talent, the truth is most NFL quarterbacks tend to struggle. Bingo. With Matt Nagy as their quarterback coach, quarterbacks tend to struggle even more. <laughs> the, bottom, the bottom line is Justin Fields has improved. He still has limitations as a passer, but he's a young quarterback in terms of NFL experience. The truth is Fields can do things as an athlete that 99% of NFL quarterbacks can only dream of doing. Did you not see him escape from the sacks? We all saw it. If the Bears didn't have the number one pick this year, the decision regarding Justin Fields would be easy. Getting rid of Fields in favor of an unknown quantity at quarterback, that seems like a net negative versus using the first pick to build up the talent level of an ascending roster. That's how you build long-term success in the NFL, not by continually resetting the clock at quarterback and at coach and tearing down the morale and confidence of the team's veterans. Earlier this season, if you told me I'd be advocating for keeping Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields, I don't think I would have believed you. <laughs> but that's where we are, heading into the final game of the 2023 season, a rematch with the Packers and Lambeau Field, the final bookend of this season. Time for Eberflus and Fields to rise or fall.
Time for a bona fide chance to possibly knock the Packers Packers into the dirt and ruin their playoff aspirations. Somehow, it always comes down to beating the Packers, doesn't it? And that is Bears State of Affairs! Excellent, excellent job, Tooch. That <laughs> was phenomenal. That's the state of it, Aldo. Yeah, you promised a great one, and you delivered. Really well done. It isn't, and you know, that's a good segue to talk about the Packers. Actually, I've got a couple of clips of something. Did I include in the media clips uh, Cap? No, I, I cut that part out. Uh, Cap was talking about Mike Lombardi. Lomb- is it Lombardi or Lombardo? It's uh, Lombardi. Michael, Michael Lombardi, yep. Michael Lombardi. Okay, apparently Michael Lombardi now is saying the Bears have to trade Justin Fields, and TMZ Sports uh, had it on their YouTube channel. Here it comes. If you're running that organization, what do you do with that pick? Do you look at one of the other quarterbacks? Do you trade Justin Fields? Do you stick with Justin Fields? Oh, I'm definitely going to trade Justin Fields because I think at the end of the day, it's still a passing league, and you have to throw the football effectively. (laughs) And Justin Fields, look at his fourth quarters, turns the ball over. But I, I do think he has trade value. I think there's a certain situation where he could prove his skill set if he can stay healthy and hold on to the ball and not turn it over. So he has value. You're not going to just cut him. He's got value in the market. But I think you need a better player at the position, someone who can throw the football with more regularity that doesn't have to wait for the second play. You know, this is what happens is – He's better when the play breaks down and we get to the second play as opposed to the play called in the huddle. And then if if they do move on and you have that pick, is there a quarterback that you like the most out of the guys out there? It's so early, you know, but I think a lot of it is is getting comfortable with the player. Look, you're going to put your name on this guy. This guy's going to represent your franchise. You got to make sure he's the hardest worker. You got to make sure he's a great leader. I'm not sure I know the answer to those questions. I think Drake May, Caleb Johnson certainly deserve a lot of Michael Penix. They deserve junior. They deserve a lot of look at look see. But you're talking about somebody you're going to put the faith of the franchise in for at least three years. You got to make sure you're right. Yeah, you can about? I react? Please, yeah, I'll just I, I have a I have a burning reaction. Well. Yeah, I have a visceral <laughs> reaction. I kind of said this earlier, but it's worth reiterating. There's no guarantee that whomever you draft is going to be a success. And overwhelmingly in the last 10, 15 years, first round picks have been busts with the exception of like Joe Burrow and Mahomes and, and uh, the guy in San Diego. Uh, fuck, help me out. What's his name? Uh, Justin. Justin. Yeah, exactly. Most of the people are more Zach uh, Wilson with the Jets and, and players such as that that just have underwhelmed. So to me, for the, the certitude that is elicited there by saying, you know, you're going to get a better quarterback if you move on from Justin, you don't know that. So what we do know is that he's an ascending player that's been here through the ups and downs that we all knew we were going to go through when a complete and total rebuild happens. And now he's finally ascending. His teammates like him. Is the fucking play, the, the, the fans like him. I mean, just to me, it's you can't pull the plug when everything's finally going to the other side. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? 
Especially when it's an uncertainty. Yep. When it's an uncertainty, the, the guy you're going to trade him now. He's going to ball somewhere else, and we're going to have a bum. Like Caleb Williams, also known as the next Johnny Manziel. Or Caleb Johnson, as, as uh, Lombardi called him. He doesn't even know his name. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> How is this guy an analyst or commentator? He was 4-12 and 12 as a GM, by the way. 4-12 and 12 with the Browns. I was just going to say, he was a GM. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. What a joke. But he's making some money now. He's over at Vissen uh, Radio making money, talking about gambling and uh issuing these provocative remarks. Well, I got two more clips here. Wait, hold on. With I, you. Can I react? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Dude, go ahead. <laughs> well, first of all, two things. Like last week I said, I asked Michael Lombardi to show us on the doll where the Bears organization hurt him. Remember? <laughs> In Bears state of affairs. That's right. This week he's a walking contradiction. He says, uh -huh. he says, uh, we need someone who could, who's a passer. And then he says, but Fields has value. Well, if he can't pass, what value does he have? <laughs> you fucking right. idiot. <laughs> That's all. That's all. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, uh, so Peter King, uh, of, uh, where is he at now? NBC. He's been all over the place. He's a Hall of Fame uh, reporter. Sports Illustrated for a long time, right? Right. He, I, I listened to his podcast, and oh my gosh, the guy was talking about trade scenarios, and it was so boring, but I'm glad I stuck with it because he had this little gem of what he thinks the future for uh, Justin Fields should be the Bears. So often what we do is we look at quarterbacks as the nirvana for teams that are rebuilding. The only problem I have with doing that right now is that <clears throat> there aren't many teams that have been in as unique a position as the Chicago Bears. They pick number one in this year's draft, in the 24 draft, and they already have a guy at quarterback who their fans are chanting for. Their fans want to keep Justin Fields. I think most do, or at least a majority of them do. And they want to use this draft and next year's draft, and maybe even <coughs> the 26th draft to build the team around Justin Fields. There you go. Uh, interesting that he had that thought. I'm not sure. I don't think it would be fair for me to say that he was anti-Fields earlier in the season, but he was certainly reporting like, you know, Fields wouldn't be around. But that's now his opinion. Uh, what do, you, do you like uh, Peter King, Dan Aguirre? He's fine. I mean, I... I it almost feels like he's just like a figurehead now, you know, like yeah. he's, you know, he did Monday morning quarterback for 44 seasons or something. I mean, okay. if this were 1985, maybe his comments would have some, you know, validity to them. Now he just seems like a shell of himself, but hopefully he's right on this. Hopefully we keep Justin. I keep pounding that drum because that's my personal belief to what I think is going to help the bears win sooner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Tucci? You're a Peter King fan? Yeah, he's all right. You know, I mean, he's like a Bob Verde, Bernie Lincecum type, you know, and they're venerable scribe. It's all right. Yeah. I mean, he's better than most. He's he's a damn good writer. When yeah. he used to do the MMQB, Mon Monday that was – Monday, Monday, that quarterback, was, right? That yeah. was outstanding. I read, read that every every week. Yeah. And yeah. Tareen is right. When uh, King is on with Florio, he'll, he'll set him straight. So he's got – So will Greg Gabriel. <laughs> you think? <laughs> kick his ass first. Um, okay, I got one last one. 
And now this is on NFL Live. It was a little long at five minutes, so I chopped it down a little bit. But these are, uh, who was it? Uh, Marcus Spears, Mina Kimes, and Dan Orlovsky talking about the possibility of trading Justin Fields or not trading him. Think about is Justin Fields is going to be fine. Hmm. In this iteration of the NFL, regardless of whether Chicago makes the decision to keep him, or they let him walk, some team is going to get a hell of a football player that's shown progression and starting to understand. This is why I love being on this show with Dan, because we can see year after year progression of quarterbacks based on how he looks at the film. The anticipation (laughs) is something that has stood out to me with Justin Fields over the last couple weeks. And that is exactly what we used to talk about, the thing as opposed to holding him back. Yeah. And now you start to couple that with the match with the maturation of him knowing how to get himself out of trouble athletically, like we've all known from his uber talented physical skill set. And it almost takes me back to the draft when we were talking about the talent is undeniable. Mm-hmm. It's about how you coach him. And Dio, you know who it makes who, who I think about? How you talked about Anthony Richardson mm. coming out of this draft yeah. and pairing him with Shane Steichen. Whether Justin Fields stays with Chicago or he goes to another team, if he lands in the right situation, somebody is going to have a superstar at quarterback. I think the Bears have to answer a couple of questions in addition, of course, to their evaluation of Fields, which we've been talking about. Do you love one of the quarterbacks at the top of the draft? Because every time Fields plays better, that bar for those quarterbacks goes up. If you truly love Caleb Williams or Drake May, uh, then I still think you make the move for also the financial reasons. Mm -hmm. But speaking of those financial reasons, I think the other question you ask is, of course, what can you get for that pick? Is it possible that you don't actually move down that far in the draft. Mm-hmm. There is a mm-hmm. cluster of teams that need quarterbacks at one, two, three, four. Can we put so that there's draft potential order for back Chicago up again? to just move down a couple spots. Let's look at it. Yeah, again, go ahead, Mina. Marvin Harrison Jr., Olu Vashanu, the left tackle out of Penn State. And you might love one of those players more than you love one of the quarterbacks. And to go back to the finance of it, yeah. um, it's a huge advantage to have a quarterback on a rookie contract, no doubt about that, and that factors into this. Oh, but if you trade that pick and you're picking at three or four and you've got other picks, it's a huge advantage to have other stars on rookie contracts, and that can counteract some of the uh, potential money you would have saved. So yeah. it's not an easy eval, but I think you have to evaluate. Like, not It's not just about Justin Fields. It's not just about the quarterbacks. It's also about what other players could you potentially get at the top of the draft to build around field. Marcus, I, I think this also has to come into the, the factor. What does Chicago think about Justin? Because if Chicago thinks Justin's a good player and someone's giving him a second-round pick, well, then you sit there and go, well, maybe we move on. This is what he's been in the NFL since he came back, okay? Since he came back, they're 4-2, they're averaging 25 a game, and he's at accounting for almost 270 yards. That's top 10 in the league. So if Chicago think he's good and someone's going to give him a second-round pick for Justin, great. Now, if Chicago thinks Justin's going to be great and someone's second offering round a second-round pick, enough, right? you're not enough. Yeah. So that's part of that as well. All those muted, I think. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. What do you guys think? What do you guys think about the idea of if somebody offers you a boatload of assets, a veteran player and a number one and a number two 
for Justin Fields. Now what? What do you do? Yeah. Go ahead, Tooch. I mean, you got to think about it. it it's got to be. It's got to be a, a great, uh, a great package. You know, uh, you definitely have to think about it. Yeah, you know, you I mean, that's why I said yeah. embarrassing. What it, All those things list. You got to explore every option, even trading for Fields. I don't know. What if this were like 1980, and you'd say, "Boy, that Walter Payton, he won an NFL MVP, but they haven't won any games with him." You know, maybe, maybe you should trade him just because somebody will give you a boatload for him. I mean, <laughs> if you like your guy, you you stick with your guy. Who gives a fuck what people want to offer you? I mean. You, you could probably get more with that first pick than you could for Justin. Let's be, let's keep it real because of the possibility of what these younger guys could be in the future. But Justin is again, has gone through these, all this, the growing pains that the, the guy you're going to draft is going to have to start going through. Yeah. Like Justin's gotten through all that shit. And, and now we're getting to the other side where we can win. So you're starting the clock over, as they say, but you're also starting that player's growth right from the beginning. And the rest of the team's almost ready to win now. Would the quarterback be holding you back then? Well, and Mr. Shorty just put up a list of quarterbacks that were picked with the number one overall pick. I don't see a quarterback here who has won a Super Bowl, who has a Eli. Super Bowl. Eli, oh, Eli has two Super Bowl rings. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Yeah, you look at that. Okay, so Bryce Young at this point looks like a bust. Trevor Lawrence had a big playoff comeback, so I, I don't want to say anything bad about him. Burroughs hurt a lot, but Burroughs gone in the Super Bowl. Kyler Murray looked like he was going to be the real deal, and Arizona loved him, and, and they got rid of his coach pretty quickly and are probably going to move on from him. Goff went to a Super Bowl. Uh, is that supposed to be Jameis Winston, I think? Uh, Jameis uh, Winston has thrown for some big yards in games, but a lot of picks. Andrew Luck looked like he may have gone to the Super Bowl, retired. Cam made it to the Super Bowl. Bradford was a bust. Jamarcus Russell was too heavy and was a bust. And and Carson Palmer, you know, did went to a Super Bowl later and or almost went went to the NFC Championship game. So and then of course Eli won too. But these are the outliers, though. So many of the players, like let's see a list of the number one draft picks since like Obama. Overwhelmingly, they're busts. And that has to be considered in. And you think, oh, what about Drake May? How about Mitchell Trubisky? Also coming from North Carolina. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like again, yeah. So he's a can't miss prospect. Somebody mentioned this in the chat room real early in the show. They said that about Ryan Leaf, too. So, I mean, everyone's a can't-miss prospect until they're not. And so do you trade what you've built up, somebody that's did all the work somebody, or done all the work, somebody, you know, has gone through all the shit with you, you know, all the the building. Do you get rid of him now when it looks like all that hard work is going to amount to something and just start over on something, an unknown commodity? Because mm -hmm. more often than not, like you say in the intro, so they always get their shit wrong. How do they get their shit wrong? Like when they watch, you know, so all these fucking experts, there's like 10 guys that can't miss and they fucking miss. The old, the, the, the people that, that make it, the Joe Burrows and stuff are the exception to the rule. Those are the ones that are the aberrations because every year the experts just love and Marcus Mariota. Remember he was supposed to be great. 
Uh, Ryan Pace was trying to trade up for Mariota. What the fuck did Mariota end up doing? He won one playoff game. You know what I'm saying? Like Jamarcus Russell, who I thought had a lot, had a big-ass arm, but he couldn't get it. uh, Well, he got in great shape and then couldn't get a tryout afterwards. But the, the point is, he was supposed to be great, too. What about the kid in Carolina right now? Imagine if the Bears had traded fields and took him, the Bryce Young guy. Doesn't he look like he's a bust and he looks too small? That's what I see in Caleb Williams. He looks like a little guy that's just going to run around and get, you know, he's just not going to amount to anything, in my opinion. I could be wrong. I'm just like everybody else, just talking. We're all talking out of our asses, right? His backup threw six touchdowns. And did the wide receiver (laughs) say we've. Didn't the wide receiver say something to the effect we're a real team now? <laughs> His backup throwing six touchdowns. That's what I'm saying. Was the worst thing that could happen to Caleb Williams. But did, didn't the USC in his mama's lap? But didn't the USC receiver say after the game we're a real team now? I read that somewhere that he was praising the backup quarterback and said we're a real team now. Yes. What is that? I, yeah. I what does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? I mean, that means that they he's another moody fuck the way everyone didn't like Jay. Is gonna he's the same type of guy. And you got a guy right now that the team rallies around. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you hundred percent. I can't let this over. go. I might be wrong in the end, but I'm this is Maybe. something I'm willing to die on the hill for here. Jimmy Tony may be an inch and ten pounds, but that ain't a lot bigger. <laughs> well, here's the thing about Caleb is he is listed at the USC website as six one. There's no way he's fucking six. He's like five ten. He's like 5'10". I totally agree with that. He does have a sculpted body. He is 5'10", like 220, and he he runs hard with, with the ball and so forth. But And, you know, he's, he's had great good, numbers. Good arm too. He's got a great yeah. arm. Packers Absolutely. fan too, right? Good Green yep. Bay fan? Exactly. <laughs> a Packers fan, which is another yeah. reason why you don't pick him. And I'm no. serious about that. <laughs> I agree. You know, you know I, there's a, a couple of good prospects I have to – open up my notebook to find out who but who are from the Chicago area that I, I bet you Ryan Poles is 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 you know looking at is going to evaluate very closely but speaking of evaluating very closely over the next few months we're going to hear a lot of shit about all oh, the Bears brought in Caleb Williams and Drake May they had sit down they had dinner yeah. blah 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 and you know it's yep. all of it is going to be true in terms of I really believe that Ryan Pulse is going to do due diligence and talk to all these guys and be unlike Ryan Pace, where he doesn't even invite Deshaun Watson out to eat. He invites uh, Trubisky and Mahomes, but doesn't do due diligence on the third big quarterback who is coming out that season. So my, my point is, you know, th- as Greg calls it, this is lying season. There's going to be a lot of lies out there. Pay attention only to reputable uh, reporters don't repost uh, anything. Michael that- Lombardi. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because <laughs> it's all fucking bullshit. We'll know yeah. when it happens. <laughs> I hope that Ryan Poles makes a move like he did last year where it's like a month before so we can just kind of like exhale and not be on eggshells on the night of the draft what we're doing. Yeah. You know, he went yeah. ahead and made the trade what, in March, April oh. last year and we, we knew we had a trade in place. Justin's back. That's what I'm hoping for. But I guess, like we said, if Eberflus is back on Monday, why would you want to do that and draft another quarterback from a, a lame duck coach? Mm-hmm. So maybe 
if if he's back on Monday, maybe Fields is back too. Right. You know, and the, the thing regarding lame duck coaches, I talked to uh, Greg about that. You know, what offensive coordinator is going to want to come here if you fire keep Eberflus and he said there are a lot of offensive coordinators who are going to say I can fix him and they feel like you know they'll get this offense going humming so well that if they do fire Eberflus they'll get the job exactly exactly so um I don't know man I I I know our emotions can you know get into the dumps when the Bears lose and, and ride sky high when they win. But I, I just feel like this guy is finally starting to come around and all of that investment in time and the coaching staff too, you know, and other players in the team. And so it's all starting to gel. I, I prefer to believe than not believe. I don't want to be a miserable all-off all season wondering what the hell is going to happen. And you're right, Dan. If they can make out this trade in March – and so that we can go into free agency and the draft knowing what the real draft order is for us at least, what picks we have and so forth, that'll help so much with team building uh, this roster. What is he? I don't remember us. That's what I was going to say. Is he talking about Aldo and myself? I guess we all like to forget some of our mistakes, but I don't remember Aldo and, and me like pounding the drum for Mitch at all. Yeah, I wasn't either, but. Yeah, I uh, was upset the night they drafted uh, Mitch Trubisky yeah. and put a video up on YouTube of me pretending to do shot after shot. I only did one or two, but I, I did like 10 shots. That was I didn't my. I know who he was. I know. I remember, you know, Phil and Lauren Cox, because that's who we're doing the show with then, uh, Jose Cotto and. Um, and and Shane, they all talked about him. I didn't really see him much. And, and then Lauren uh, actually got us videotape of Metro Trubisky every snap that he had in North Carolina. This was after the pick. So I started to learn about him, but I knew enough to say, this guy's only had 13 starts, and you're actually trading to move up to the him? Number two overall pick. Maybe he I, means after when we started doing the show, like this version of the show, not uh, 100 proof. Maybe he means like after the 2020 season, but I don't remember us. Were we clamoring to keep Mitch? I, I don't know. Uh, Steve is wrong here. He says, You both said we should keep him, and Mike North wanted him too. Yes, Mike North. Mike North yes, that is He's, true. But he would Steve, take him back in a heartbeat. Yeah, you got us confused with two other yeah. good looking guys, Steve. Um, it's not Dan and me. <laughs> or, Mike North is that meme where the guy's looking back at the girl. It's Mitch Trubisky. Maybe, uh, maybe He's we got said. Just, on his arm. <laughs> uh, just to be fair here, because uh, I don't recall saying that, but maybe in the context, maybe I said, and I'm not trying to run away from things I've said in the past. I'm truly not. But yeah. maybe we were like, oh, dude, we'd rather keep Mitch than have Andy Dalton. Right. right. And I know I said yeah. I'd rather have Nick Foles than Andy Dalton. And I don't know why. Foles won his only start that year in Seattle. Like he's God, he was so much better than Andy. We gave him 10 million for nothing. So mm -hmm. maybe we said, Oh, we'd rather keep Mitch as opposed to Andy Dalton. But dude, I, I, I bought a Justin Fields Jersey like two minutes after he was drafted. Yeah. So See, yeah, Steve, I think that's the issue here is that once he was a member of the Chicago bears and you know, all right, he's, uh, I, 
begrudgingly, we said, okay, he's our quarterback. We're going to root for him. And, and we didn't want Andy Dalton. Yeah, we didn't want Andy Dalton. And when Glennon started and he looked terrible, I was like saying, start fucking Trubisky. If you're going to start, right. you know, I, I remember yeah. saying, all right, since we got him on the team, let's give him weapons. Let's give him an offensive line. Let's support him and so forth because – He's on the team, but as a draft pick, never wanted that fucking guy. Um, and somebody in the in the chat said somebody wanted Kaiser. Yeah, that was Shane Marsaw who wanted to, uh, the Bears to draft the Sean Kaiser and to use that yeah. first round pick on somebody else. We had already signed Glennon. Not that he was a proponent of Glennon. Although, when I wanted Patrick Mahomes, yeah, that was, I, that was the guy who wanted. I would have right. spent num- number three overall on Mahomes. Yep, that that is true, but. But uh, I, I think Stephen. I mean, I think he's talking about us saying we should pick up Trubisky's option and give him another year to prove himself. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, not right. like we're, we're right. like uh, you know we, we have to have him no matter what. But you know, we also get other guys or draft another quarterback. That's the thing. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Pace said he would draft a quarterback every year. It's time mm-hmm. for him to put up or shut up. Exactly. Uh, again, I think I just trying to be fair i think i would have said i'd rather have mitch than dalton that's the only context i can think of uh i took up for mitch versus nagy i felt that nagy was playing like trying to save his job and trying to make mitch look like he was the problem but i was never the big like my i was a cutler apologist and i admit it i was a jim mcmahon apologist and i'll own it now for justin fields and i tell you i early if you'd have told me after the denver Rel, I love you. <laughs> Mike finally died on that Mitch Hill. <laughs> he did. It was sad to see it on X. He was like, ah, Mitch, you had, you know, you broke my heart. It's my Uncle Mike. It I was so love. funny. I felt bad for Uncle Mike. Yep. Well, I was just going to say, if you'd have told me after that Denver game, like this is kind of playing off what Tooch said on State of Affairs, that I would think that because I was like after Fields threw that pick to lose, I was like, man, he just doesn't have it. I want him to have it, but I don't think he does. But Fields and the coaching staff made a dramatic comeback from that 0-4 start. Just mm-hmm. incredible. And to overcome all that adversity together, that means something. You know, I mean, that shows a lot of character. And like somebody mentioned earlier in the chat group too, that they didn't think Caleb Williams had a thick enough skin in the number three or number two radio or market in the country, such as Chicago, I guess, number three, but, um, point being Justin has proven that he does right. Right. Justin has thick enough skin to make it here. Trubisky didn't. I've never been really out on Justin Fields. Let me just say it. I've always talked about how he's that kid that, that stayed at his locker, you know, in his uniform for hours after a game. You know, he's the guy that you knock down in the dirt and he gets up doing push-ups saying you haven't beat me. You know, that's why I, I haven't been out on, on Justin. I mean, I don't think it's been enough time. You know, you have to look at Justin Fields' career in the context of the people who he's had to work with. Jordan so came on. Who was he talking line. about? Yeah, Jordan. Jordan, Jordan wasn't on this show recently. No, yeah, Jordan and I don't. Re- I was yeah, going to say, Jordan doesn't like me and I'm Jordan the biggest like, fan of him. He doesn't like Justin Fields. Uh, yeah, so but he loves not, the Packers, so. I don't know if he loves the Packers. He's he's more of an NFL all around commentator, right. but he's, a, he's a, a a really interesting guy. Knows a lot about football. I don't well, always agree with his take, and yeah. I think he sometimes likes to rattle people's cages a little bit. Yep, a but little yeah, bit. Yeah, he win, offers win a little bit yeah. win 
Steve, uh, I, uh, I made a video at 2017 just prior to the draft. As I was saying, this was prior to the draft. I'm going to pick it up in the middle just to show you what my feelings were on the three quarterbacks. Can you lose that graphic from, yeah, from yeah. Steve? Mm-hmm. And then I'll put this up. There we go. Okay. In fact, they've been on the clock, and everyone in the draft room is looking at me. But Miles Garrett and Mitchell Trubisky are off the board. My most trusted advisors are giving me their expert advice. Draft Dr. Phil and Lauren Cox want Deshaun Watson. No, they demand Deshaun Watson. They love his leadership skills, winning ways, and have no trouble with pick after pick after pick after pick after pick. Anyway, Deshaun <laughs> wants me to pick Deshaun Kaiser, and he hates Mooner Dane. And Jose Cotto looks at Lattimore and says he's the best cornerback he's scouted in 10 years. And Jose knows talent. Have you seen some of the talent this guy's dated? Whoa! <laughs> decision is mine. I like Hooker, but is he a one-year wonder? And what about that torn labrum in his left hip? Why does that worry me so much? Duh. And Lattimore's hammies, they worry me too. Sorry, fellas, I'm passing on Watson, and I'm passing on Kaiser too. In fact, on my board, the one I have yet to share with you, fellas, I have Patrick Mahomes as my number one quarterback. There's something about this kid. Reminds me of the first time I drove my 65 Mustang. Hang on, baby. Ate my first Mexican. I never saw that. That's before. I, oh, that's really? Before I, that's that right around when I was coming into Barry. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh. Well, yeah, well, well, not only that, but, but here okay. But again, <laughs> <laughs> pressing too many buttons. It's like when I'm playing a video game. <laughs> oh shit. Yep. But that's how I felt at the time, you know, and, and like any true fan, you, you, you get the guy you least like. He's a fucking idiot. I'm not trying to denigrate Steven here, but is his point that like, because he clearly disagrees with wanting fields, he's just trying to expose us as being what lack of integrity here or lack of knowledge. What is he? He, what, it seems like it's, he's trying to like take a shot just because he disagrees with I, us I, on I, I was out on Eberflus, man. Now I'm like, you probably have to keep him because the locker room. But what, what's his motivation, though? I, I, I don't understand what the point is. is yeah, I'm, I'm sure he'll respond to your question. I, I feel like uh, Steve is, you know, he's done with Fields, and he's surprised that everyone now is swearing on on Fields. Uh, I, I've been pretty much in Fields' cornerback consistent, uh, Fields' corner consistently. Yeah. You know, but uh, uh, do I? Do I? think that he doesn't have room for improvement no you know mm-hmm. but uh, you know this look this is this is the whole thing I, I share this on on tailgate i have a theory of what will happen uh with uh in the off season you know knowing knowing what we know about ryan poles but if you're a, if you're a gambling man you are gambling on the skies and limit fields talent you know versus an unknown quantity in drake mayer caleb williams you know and what we know about Poles is that Poles is a guy who values picks more than players sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, he could trade this first round pick ad infinitum, you know, forever. Forever. He could have high picks going for it. He could make this last until he retires from the Bears organization at, at I love that. Aldo's age, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, look, the locker room loves Fields. Uh, the locker room loves Eberflus, you know, this is an ascending team. I know some people uh, have compared this team to the Lions uh, when the Lions started a year ago at one and six. And now they're, you know, uh, they won the division, you know, ascending. They'll be in the playoffs. You know, mm-hmm. I know uh, it pains me to say this, Don, 
Lions. <laughs> Even though I know the Lions will probably lose in the first round, but they sure but got no, cheated in Dallas Saturday, though. <laughs> they did. They did. I'm, I'm with uh, I'm with with uh, Don Bear on that one. But look, I I think uh, polls will trade out of that spot, man. Because you know what, you could pick up another quarterback who's just as much uh, he's as much of a sure thing or unsure thing as Man Williams. You know, yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot of quarterbacks this draft. We talk about J uh, JJ McCarthy, Michael Penix, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Brady Cook. Man, keep going, man. There's a ton of guys in there you could trade back and, and Bo Nix develop. What you know? what I was saying, I got to respond to Stephen Me here, right? What I was saying <laughs> it's about very, it's eating but, him up, but don't forget well, to come about, back to me on my theory, though, Danny. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to st- step on you there. <laughs> I'm just saying, but the uh, the quarterbacks that come out in the first round over the last decade, the majority of them have been busts. That's not me just making shit up. Yep. to uh, propagate a theory to support my opinion on fields. I mean, my opinion on fields could ultimately be wrong. Maybe the Bears trade him and he sucks wherever else he goes, and maybe that we applaud it as a great move by Ryan Poles. Emotionally, I'm behind fields. That doesn't mean that yep. I'm lying about a lot of guys being uh, – I don't know. I, I, I'm interpreting what uh, Steve has said in his last two posts here is that – this is a rare opportunity. You had an opportunity to get a rare uh, opportunity a, for what? See, to to land a what people are describing as a generational quarterback. But that's that's not, that's not a certainty, Stephen. And, and he should know that 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 is absolutely true. But I, I get the feeling that that's what what is frustrating him right now is that we've got this opportunity to get a guy who the media has been hyping for the last two years. Uh, uh, reputable people have been saying he's a can't miss prospect. He's the next thing up to Patrick Mahomes and blah, blah, blah. And so I think that's where Steven is coming from. Did he watch any uh, uh, football playoff games on New Year's day? Cause I mean, I'll take Penix or McCarthy before I take May and Williams, mm-hmm. you know, you can trade back, get, get one of those guys. You know, why not add some competition for Justin Fields? Trade even farther back and get Brady Cook or Bo Nix. Where's all this you know? hostility coming from, though? I <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he broke up with his girlfriend or boyfriend. I don't think I don't, Steve. I, don't want I, to do, offend. I, I know Steve pretty well. He comes on a lot of our shows. Steve has a sharp sense of humor. I don't think it's hostility at well, all. He was calling us like Trubisky lovers, and it seemed like he was trying yeah. to make our, our, our opinion seem less than or something, I, I, whatever, man. I just don't understand where all this is coming from. I mean, okay, you don't like fields. That's okay. It's a valid opinion. I've yeah. never once said that your opinion isn't valid. I, I know 100% certainty that Stephen Me has never been in a, a locker football locker room. That's all. Well, I'm just saying because I haven't denigrated room, his opinion. The locker room loves Fields and they love Eberflus, and the morale will definitely – that's one thing I know is that morale will be definitely damaged if you remove – one or both of those guys he says you're that's, talking i'm typing what again what what are we saying here that's just a fact the, the locker room loves both those guys fields is their quarterback you know the, uh, as i've said before we have to take justin fields career the context of the people he's working with he had matt nagy in a lame duck season matt nagy went to kansas city and he's damaged patrick mahomes what do you think he did to freaking justin fields too, Troy, we don't want to get you upset. You remember a couple weeks ago, you unloaded <laughs> on some guy. <laughs> ah. Then he had he had first-time head coach and a first-time offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator, Luke Getze and Matt Nagy. I don't know which one's worse. You know, I don't I don't know which one's worse. I'm gonna you know, say Nagy. If if you put if you put uh, uh Justin Fields on the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan, you you would not be saying get rid of Justin Fields. You'd be like 
everybody has to have Justin Fields. You'd be the highest quarterback in the league, paid quarterback in the league. Uh, <laughs> I just it. wish I knew where all this was coming from. It just it seems like it. <laughs> to use a cliche, it came out of left moving field. Moving on. <laughs> moving on. Ah, that was good. <laughs> Poles could trade out at first plate, first pick. And if he doesn't even have to grab Marvin Harrison Jr. I've watched Keon Coleman's the same size as Marvin Harrison Jr. I think he might be just as good or better. Keon Coleman has moves. He's got hands. He's got a lot of speed. He's got shake. Man, you don't have to grab Marvin Harrison Jr. Although I love it because of the connection between DJ Moore and Justin Fields. Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison Jr. would be the would be the logical choice. You know, just because of his relationship, he's instantly, instantly welcome in the locker room. But uh, Poles will amass more picks. He'll get a first-round pick next year. Like I said, he should trade with the commanders and get back the pick he gave him for Montez Sweat. That would be the coup de grace. I would send Ryan Poles a crown if he did that. If he gets the Washington commanders, number two pick, he just sent them for Montez Sweat. I, I don't know what I would do. I would. I might send Poles an engagement ring. <laughs> That's hilarious. Danny, okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm just listening pissed. to two. No, 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 I'm not. I, I, I'm bewildered. That's all. I was bewildered by, like, wow, why? Where's this Nobody coming from? That. You don't know that dice. All right. I love you guys Marvin are... Harrison Jr. Though I think he is. A, he's a pretty, pretty close to a sure thing. The only thing in the chat. But man, watch some Keon Coleman tape. Man, that dude is freaking awesome. Yeah, he's a big, big target. Yeah. There's no. Problem. What was your reaction to this, Aldo? To the Steve Mead thing? Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I'm still trying to process. It. <laughs> that didn't bother me. I know that yeah. he's got kind of a sharp sense of humor. He, yeah. He's, he's sort of oh, like retro. Although, and I have been Bears fans for close to five centuries. We don't care. Yeah, we don't fine. Care. Everything's water, good. Water off a duck's back. Well, I was I just trying about, to interpret it. That's all. The only thing I care about is the weather in Green Bay. Yeah, that, that's all I care about. Uh, and. This woman here is going to tell us it's 33 degrees. I'm not normally a leg man, Aldo. But, well, but you're, you, just, you just changed your mind. <laughs> I changed my mind immediately. immediately. <laughs> uh, I love it. What is this? I got ESPN. Oh, that's from last week. I got all sorts of goodies here. But this is the best one. This is from Santucci. Well, nobody's perfect. Yeah, back when that was during the 14 game losing streak, man. Gosh, you remember that? that again, that goes to my point. Who would have thought that this guy with that losing streak mm -hmm. and all those consecutive losses at home, like we have to give him props, even if he ends up fired, he did something fairly spectacular to even get close to where almost making the playoffs mm -hmm. to where, where he was in September. Aldo and I are both drinking bourbon, I think, like true Bears fans. Yeah, let me do a plug for uh, this. This is called, uh, let's see, let me go over here. Belos. Mm, Belos, yeah. handcrafted premium bourbon. My uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law just got this for me, and it is really smooth, man. I, mean, I love the efficiency of bourbon. I, yeah, I noticed, Aldo, that you were holding that bottle with your right arm. That's right. Really? So how's the right arm right now? What's your update? Well, you know, it's... Uh, are, you, are you able to jerk off with that thing? No, he's lefty. He's left-handed. Left oh, that's right. That's right, yeah. Thank God I'm lefty. It's yeah. uh, feeling pretty good. I, this is still, you know, somewhat numb, this whole area. Uh, but it's it's getting there. There's no doubt about Do it. Do you think uh, that right now on January 2, 
of 2024 that it is likely to presume by the fall, if you wanted to, you could attend football games again. I I feel like I probably will be able to. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, we got a question here from Joe Tutuch. Do you like Rome Adunze? You know, not not as much as Coleman and Harrison, but he's got size. But to me, he looks slow. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he 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 tackled immediately. Man, watch Coleman. Coleman has yak. If you want yak, you go and call my I mean, Adunze, from what I've watched, he goes down almost immediately. You know, uh, uh, Keon Coleman has got the shake, that wiggle. He's got crazy legs. He's 6'4", 250. He's the same size as Marvin Harris Jr. He makes one-handed catches all the time. He's probably got, hand, you know, 13-inch hands or whatever, you know, just like yeah. gigantic mitts, you know. But, yeah, I like uh, I like Keon Coleman. I think he'll be good. If you can't get Marvin Harris Jr. Marvin Harris Jr., he's plug and play. You know, he's got he's got a high floor, you know, and uh, he he knows two of the top players on the Bears already. So I mean, I'll, I'd be happy with either one. But if you can't if you can't get Mar- if someone knocks you out with an offer for for uh, to pick to get Marvin Harrison Jr. Paul's definitely going to consider that. Yeah, no doubt, Mister yeah. Whelan and Dealan. This is like the the this year this next draft coming up is the Ryan Poles draft. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, you keep trading every year and get a first round pick and hope that that team tanks the yeah. following year. Absolutely. Yep. And, and that's what Orlovsky said in that clip, you know, trade to a team. Brian that, Baldinger said the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's not, yeah, they, a couple of people disagreed on the New England thing. I think New England is going to be bad for a while. Uh, you yep. know, you, you trade for their number one draft pick, it'll probably be a top five pick next year. Oh, yeah. So, the um, commanders probably too, though. Yeah. The know, they'll, have, they'll have a rookie head coach, you know, because Riverboat Ron is likely gone. Yep. You know, they traded away some top defensive talent. Mm-hmm. You know, although they played, they played arguably pretty well down the stretch, even though they lost. They've been competitive, more competitive than I thought they'd be. But, but uh, what that right now, if the season were to end, the Commanders would pick second, the Bears first, of course, with the Panthers pick. What do you think the Bears could get for the Commanders to move up just one spot to get Caleb or whoever they want as their quarterback? At least they're one, right? They're one yeah. next year. Did the Bears give that up for Trubisky? They could get the two of Commanders, and then yeah, uh, but we went from three to two. Yeah. If you're going to two to number one overall, it's probably going to be a number one. That's true. There's more value in that number one overall pick. Like I said, we get there two, and we give get that get that two that we gave him for Montez Sweat, and next year's one. Yeah. There is this draft chart out where it uh, assigns points to every pick in the draft. The three thousand yeah. points is Jimmy the first Johnson overall came up pick. With that. Jimmy Johnson did indeed come yeah. up with that, and did you, there's did you variations. Catch his love fest with Jerry Jones in the last game. He was I did the Ring of Honor. They got a little teary. Yeah, with Jimmy and Jerry. And uh, Jerry had a nice little speech there, yeah. so I, I gave him uh, kudos. Je- uh, Jerry I, Jones looks like he's about to die. Yeah, he looks like the fucking crypt that. keeper. Yeah, well, he's got to be in his eighties, right? Oh, yeah. Staubach looked yeah, old, old, 80s. old too. I mean, yeah. I was like, is that Roger? I was like, Roger looks like he's ninety-seven. Yeah. yeah. Roger the Dodger is about ready to go six feet. <laughs> Speaking of Roger the Dodger, I thought I was going to say this earlier. We were talking about Fields is running Sunday, which was getting out. Of, again, that looked like straight up Stallbacker targeted. Or if you want to be more 
uh, modern uh, Michael Vick. I mean, or even uh, Jackson. Uh, you know, it was better than all of them, probably. Like, mm-hmm. Especially the one where he broke free and then uh, went shoulder first and got the first down. Yeah. God damn, man. I mean, his his running Sunday was, I and mean, we've seen it before, but it was just immaculate. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked about uh, Leslie Frazier or Phil yeah. Snow for D.C. next season. It's pretty clear to me if Iberflus is retained that he he's going to be calling the plays. So he's going to bring somebody in like a Snow who is going to be good with that. Uh, Isn't Les still under contract with the, the Bills? He just took a leave of absence. Yes, but he – I think he's – well, I don't know for sure, to be honest. I thought his goal was to come back with Buffalo in 24 when he when he took his leave of absence. Okay, maybe you're right. I, I didn't know that. I'm going to uh, run the tick away, guys. Take it away. All right. Danny, uh, goodness gracious, are we are we over the Stephen Me thing? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. I was not upset at all. I was just trying to understand where it, what his agenda was on it. I was just trying to right. sort through it, that's all. Yeah. He might have got a little. I got too many other things to wear. I got surgery in the morning. So. Oh no! What's going on? Oh, it's that thing, right? On the that cyst. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's at eight a.m. Eastern. So. Yeah. Good luck with that. Thank you, man. Like I said, I, that's a lot more to worry about than if someone thinks. Yeah. What, I'm what wrong you, on Justin Fields. I mean, what, what would you do if you were polls, and uh, what do you think he'll do? I don't know. I have no clue. I know what I would do. I would keep Justin and take Harrison, like you said, and and try to get another pick next year and continue that cycle. But I don't know what he's going to do at all. Plus Warren may be involved in this discussion as well. Yeah. 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 I agree. Uh, definitely will be uh, meetings postseason. season. Uh, look, uh, Ryan polls to me uh, might be in, in this, at least I'm of the mind that uh, I'll take a quarterback with three years of NFL experience over a new guy coming into a locker room. That's ascending. Uh, you know, and my, my, uh, uh, polls is poll rebuild is, is a little bit ahead of schedule. Would you agree? I wouldn't have you know, in September, but, but the last this, four or five games. Yeah. Especially if they knock green Bay out Sunday. Yeah. And you saw uh, rookies making a splash last weekend with Tyreek Stevenson, Gervon Dexter, those picks have, uh, have really, uh, uh, changed my mind on Ryan polls. I knocked him for the Claypool. Uh, acquisition, but man, the, the, the rookies seem to really be playing good. Uh, I know Aldo uh, missed, but I was asking Dan what he would do if he was polls. And my, my opinion is that uh, I'm not going to gamble an ascending locker room on a, a quarterback. I don't have a problem with this guy having a different opinion. It's like, <laughs> why does he keep saying this? I don't fucking I don't care if he has a different opinion. And I don't mean that <laughs> negatively. I mean, I respect his opinion. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. That's God, like, uh, I said his opinion was valid like 20 yeah. minutes ago. Yeah. Let's well, ignore what I'm saying, though. But Aldo, let me ask you. I don't mean to step on you. What do you think? How's Kevin Warren play into what polls would do? regardless of if it's keep or yeah, trade fields great question warren probably has a say in that right oh absolutely there's no doubt about it that he has taken over more responsibility in terms of overseeing the football operations so everything is going to be run through him the polls and uh whoever ian cunningham are going to present a plan to kevin warren 
in detail. This is what we're thinking. This is who we're thinking about targeting in the draft, free agency. This is our plans for 2025. This is part of the all the rebuild, everything. And so Warren's role is going to be to ask questions and ask tons and tons of questions to see if there are any potential defects or how are you going to handle this if this happens or, you know, that happens. So he's there to be a safeguard and he knows enough about football. He's been in the NFL. He, he's a former athlete. He, 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 and he's such a smart guy that he's going to have a really insightful interrogation period with those guys when they present the plan. So it's, I think it's good for the organization. It's probably more hands-on than sweaty Teddy, right? You know, yeah, I, I would say because, well, there were reports that sweaty Teddy, you know, wasn't involved that much, but we know that to not be 100% true. But I think that when the next time we hear Kevin Warren talk, he's going to be much more transparent about what his role is going to be in the building of this team. You know, uh, I think it was uh, Brad Biggs reported that, He didn't get a chance to talk to Kevin Warren, but when he was leaving the press uh, box, he heard overheard Kevin Warren saying 2024 is going to be extraordinary or great or some superlative like that. So uh, apparently he likes what he's seeing. And you got to believe that if he said that after the game, then Justin Fields is part of the plan, right? I I would hope so. And and I appreciate Larry there. Uh, uh, correcting my memory on that, I misunderstood. I misremembered. Then I appreciate him correcting me. Um, but yeah, I, I hope so. And I would think that we're going to get to hear from the team president as well as the GM next week, right? Yes. Uh, well, I know we'll hear from general manager polls. I'm not. I don't know if we're going to hear from Kevin Warren. I, I would imagine that the next time we hear from Kevin Warren is at the owners meeting, uh, which is sometime after the Super Bowl. And before- you don't think he'll speak if they keep Eberflus? Warren? I don't think so. Wow. No, that'll it seems be Ryan like- Poles making that press conference. Right? Here they'd both speak, and uh, George usually talks at the end of the year too. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, my inclination is that he probably would talk at the owners' meeting right before I mean, free agency. Don't you think Eberflus has saved his job one more year? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know, it, 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 it pulls a nice, convenient excuse. He's like, "Look, improvement. He's my guy. I hired him. You know, so we got seven wins. We proved four wins. Look at the end of the season. We're what four and one. Our last five. What, what yeah. were we on last five? Uh, the last comment before Cliffs, I mean, that guy, he, uh, I, I forgot his name. I'm sorry. Yeah. Jimmy, you can be right. I could be one of those. I could be one of those guys. that are just emotionally tied to him. Like you say, I do, I do, I, I'm not trying to say that my opinion is better than anyone else's. So you're right. I could ultimately be wrong. Uh, I hope that I'm not, I mean, not just for to pound my chest and say, I'm right. I just really think that feels is going to be good for the bears. I truly believe that. But I mean, someone can point to this tape two years from now and be like, look how fucking wrong Dan was. And, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guys, you know, the, the, the thing you got to account for with Justin Fields is, again, I, I'm going to repeat it. You know, he comes into the league, drafted, what, 10th or 11th by a, 11th, lame, duck 11th. Administ- uh, 11th by a lame duck administration. And Matt Nagy, you know, Dan and I witnessed it firsthand. Matt Nagy's 
uh, scheme and, and game plan for his first start in, in Cleveland was to, it was almost like he was on purpose trying to show everyone, I told you Justin Fields wasn't ready. He was sacked nine times. He never called Max Protect. During the game, I'm saying to Dan, he's saying to me, why doesn't he do this? Why doesn't he do that? You know, screen passes, uh, 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 options and so forth. Yeah, we kept saying that you have to adjust to what the Browns are throwing at you, and he just did not do that. He's like, all right, Justin, we're running the same shit in the fourth quarter that we did in the first quarter. It didn't work in the first, second, or third, so good luck. Right. We he couldn't make... That. He couldn't make any adjustments. You might, like, if you're leaving Soldier Field, just as an example, and you're like, I want to get home, I'm going to drive 75, 80 miles per hour the whole way, but there's a car crash, you have to slow down. You have to make an adjustment. I know that's a crude analogy, but Matt Nagy couldn't make adjustments. Right. Whenever Justin's getting killed, he could not change the way the game plan went, and that's what I hated Nagy for. But go ahead, Aldo. I'm sorry. So, and, and then that leads into last season where he gets an offensive coordinator who's never, never called plays yeah, at any level. What was that guy's level. name who was on before me? Clockerman? Uh, Josh. Oh, he was he was great. Josh, yeah. That, he's exactly what he said. The believer right. Flus and Getsy were learning on the job, which is my problem with all the moves that George McCaskey makes. We Indeed. always hire guys that have to learn on the job. It carried Indeed. on into this season where we started, what, 0-4? Or right. we gave up four or three fourth quarter leads of double digits. Right. And the, the entire roster is gutted. He had no playmakers. It was just himself. And then now we finally yeah. get to 2023. And But during the offseason, Luke Getze is drilling him to be a pocket passer, to transform him from Justin Fields to Aaron Rodgers. And How clearly that was that? a failure. Yeah. Justin Fields says, I feel robotic out there. He complained about it. He got into trouble. He got out of trouble. But what happens after he complained about it? He throws for 335 yards and four touchdowns to Denver. They lose the game, but it wasn't because of Justin. And then against Washington. And then against Washington, he throws for 280 yards and four touchdowns. That's eight <laughs> touchdowns when he is finally takes the shackles off, and Luke Getzey allows him to play as he plays. And then, unfortunately, he gets injured against Minnesota, and, but he comes back against Detroit and plays fairly well in that Should have won the game. Tyler Scott dropped the ball. Indeed. Uh, and so what we've seen since he's come back from that – Game-winning throw in Minnesota. I'm sorry, Aldo. I'm just emotional. No, no. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, I love it. I, and, and so what we've seen since he came back from that Minnesota injury is that he ha is improving. And hopefully we'll see that ascension against Green Bay in Lambeau Field in a game that's going to mean a hell of a lot to Green Bay and a hell of a lot yeah. to Bears fans. So they, that's they pressure. Can, they can make the playoffs if they win. I yeah. think if they were to use the game plan that they used against Atlanta in Cleveland, that we blow the Browns out mm -hmm. all damn day. Yeah, we had it was just dead, dead to rights, Danny. But it was all day it was fields in the shotgun and no attempts yeah. to run the ball at all. If they come out and establish a running game against Cleveland and get fields on bootlegs, man, there's no way. Because again, we were getting turnovers. I think there's no way we lose to the Browns if they had used that game plan and got the running game going. There's so many times when the Bears lose that we pass every play and get into no rhythm passing or running. All right. I agree. I yeah. agree. And uh, I think as Jimmy Tony says, you know, you, you got to be able to pass. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting because I, I, I do think that he has grown. And you got to have – I think uh, Yurko said it perfectly. Ask Justin Fields, who do you want as the offensive quarter? Can you yeah. get along with Getsy? You know, I mean, I want an honest answer. Don't worry about his family or anything like that. Uh, I, I love the idea. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Let, let Mark, him do it. Mark's on your, he's in your corner, Mark. Here he's goes, Ben. Mark's what do you? If I, if you're asked right now, each of you, both of you, uh, okay, it's Eberflus, Justin, and Getsy, or it's completely new. Like it's all three of them, or it's none of them. Where are you going? What are the choices again? It's all three of them, a package deal, or you just fire, you trade fields and get a new coach and draft the kid from USC or whomever. So it's either you get all three of them as a package or you go another, you go the other way. Which way are you going? I, I truly believe that if I had to make that choice, that Getsy and Eberflus and Fields are all going to be better in 2024 than they were in 2023. As part of that, I'm going to have really candid discussions and say, guys, like for instance with Luke, you got to fucking explain to me what the hell is going on here. I mean, you're calling this in this situation, you know, and uh, Iberflus even publicly said, we need a fourth down play that we can count on. In other words, why the fuck are you giving on fourth down the ball to Rashawn Johnson or wide receivers. Wildcat shit, yes. Yeah, where, where like the Eagles have their fourth down play down pack, fourth and short. It's, Cole Komet. Remember yes. the Cole Komet shit? Oh, my gosh, yes. Guess, guess, you know, so I would have that candid discussion with each of them about all of their failures. And if I sense, like, some stubbornness, then I then I would have to uh, disagree with my my earlier opinion and maybe look a different way. The thing that I I want to hear Tucci's answer. I was just going to say the thing that going back forty years now, but the thing I liked about Ditka was that there was no flashiness. Let's just fucking hit you in the mouth and try to win. That's what I wish we had on offense a little bit with Matt Nagy and with Getsy. It's more of this trying to be cute shit, mm-hmm. and that bothers me. But go ahead, Tucci. Uh man. As far as like, it's either all three or nothing, right? Is that the question? That's what I was going to say. Well, <laughs> if you had to take all three or you uh, say, fuck that, I'll just draft the kid would, and get it. That would never happen. But I, I, I would keep all three, unfortunately. But uh, Because I that ju- might I be the case. Like, I do not like Get- Luke Getzey at all. I just don't think he's a good offensive quarterback. But maybe if you keep Justin, maybe that's better for Justin to have continuity. One, one interesting thing that Greg Gabriel said today is, you know, don't worry about changing the scheme because you could bring in another offensive coordinator who knows yep. the scheme. It's not yep. this, this, this scheme is, is employed by some 15 teams in the yep. NFL. So, uh, so people are going to know it. Here, here's the other thing that I'd like to do as we continue talking about Justin Fields is I'm just going to put some 2023 highlights yeah, up on the screen. Tonight, huh? He's not working tonight. No, he's got no. I got uh, surgery in the morning. He has a surgery, right? Yeah. 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 So anyways, uh, you guys continue talking about Justin Fields while we put up some highlights there and let people uh, bask in the glory of well, JF1. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, if, if you saw the Brian Baldinger uh, uh, tweet or uh, post on X recently, mm-hmm. you know, he was like, I, I uh, build the, I, I used to trade the first round pick and add talent to that roster to help Justin Fields. That's, that's my, that's what I would do. I mean, that's the, that's the strongest uh, uh, that's the strongest thing you can do, uh, 
uh, to make this team a, a competitor for next year and, and maybe years after that. Mm-hmm. And that's just what I would do. I would also I would also add competition at the quarterback behind Justin Fields. You can develop a guy alongside, make Justin Fields earn his fifth year option. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Here's the thing: as as I look at these highlights, and a lot of people say he can't pass from the pocket. Well, here, what are we seeing here? That's the pocket. That's a throw. That's a fucking magnificent throw. Yeah, yeah they, we started the game on Sunday with the deep throw. Yeah, which is yeah. brilliant call by Getzy. Brilliant, really brilliant. I'm not being yeah. sarcastic. But the thing is, is he can throw on time. Right, he can throw on time. He can throw from the pocket. You know, get him a reliable center. Get him a second wide receiver. I see the potential here. Like other people see potential in Caleb Williams. I see see it in this guy right here, right now. Tucci, you were saying? Lucas Patrick sucks, and I've never liked him. Yeah, he sucks. But look at this guy. Relaxed. Seems like he and Justin have a a pretty good rapport. Justin really seemed to hate that guy with the mullet. The Dan (laughs) Dan guy. Yeah, Yeah. he really didn't like him when he got brought in. Yeah. (laughs) God, I love watching this. (laughs) Look at him. And people complain about his footwork. Yeah. Why why are you going to do that? (laughs) That's a great throw, man. Jeepers. Oh. Well, I better stop before the NFL gets pissed off at us. <laughs> oh, all right, guys. Um, I I unfortunately do have an early call tomorrow. All right. I um, got to be up at seven something myself. So, do you I, guys want to continue for a little while? No, I, unfortunately, I'd love to, but I got to get home too. I guess I got that surgery in the morning. Okay. I saw. I went to the, a movie theater. I haven't Ooh, been to movie theater in a long tell time. us, please. Yep, I saw Wonka with the girls. And nice. I went out, I was like, uh, man, I, I'll probably, it probably sucks. And I loved it. It was freaking awesome, man. It was uh, so the, good. Who's in the cast? Is that Timothy Chalamet Shamal- yeah. guy? I mean, it's a musical. And I mean, it. you've never seen the Gene Wilder. I know that. But it's, in the, same, uh, it's in the same vein as the Gene Wilder, uh, faithful to the Roald Dahl novels. And uh, uh, it was excellent, man. It was like so cool. It was like so imaginative and. Uh, Timothy Chalamet was kick-ass. He was so good. He sang, he danced. His acting was fantastic. The story was really good. It was <laughs> funny. The songs were great. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the cast was fantastic. We had a cast of British actors, uh, including uh, an uncredited Hugh Grant. Man, it was fucking hilarious. Oh, wow. It was he, good, man. It was excellent. I saw it in IMAX, full recline, gourmet he's in food. the he, He's in the preview, so I'm surprised he didn't Is get it, okay. credit. He didn't, yeah. It wasn't until afterwards, you know, that the, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he revealed his he, he was a part of the movie. But uh, gotcha. you know, because he pops in and it's like, is that Hugh Grant? <laughs> he's like, you know, he's been shrunk into an Oompa Loompa size with the orange face and green hair, you know, and the clothes and stuff. And he was fucking hilarious, you know. And there's all these like cool things, like they both have these like suitcases with all of their like fold out all these compartments with all their shit. You know, and like uh, Hugh Grant's had like a bar, you know, he was mixing drinks and shit. You know, it's a typical British fashion, you know. Uh, uh, it was funny, man. The songs are great. The, 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 uh, the story was great. Uh, if you, if you love the Gene Wilder one, uh, you would, you'll love this one just as much. It was just as good as the Gene Wilder one. Well, I want to uh, thank everyone who had yeah. those comments about my surgery. Everybody, yeah, I, I read them all and thank you. And I didn't mean to interrupt you too, which I just didn't want to yeah. ignore the good thoughts that people were sharing with me. And I appreciate it immensely. Yeah. 
including Steven. I have no heat with Steven. I was just yeah, trying to figure out what Steven. I was just trying to figure out what what the angle was tonight. That's all. But I digress. Thank you. Go ahead, Tooch. Thank you all. Yeah, I would highly recommend it. I would watch the Gene Wilder one. But I mean, I grew up with the movie because it came out in 1971. I was three years old. And, I, you know, it was on TV when I was like six through like mm -hmm. 12, you know, and you watch it every year. Like, it's a wonderful life. You know, watch that every year at Christmas time, you know. Yep. And, uh, uh, you know, every year if it was on, I would watch it because, I mean, it was just so weird. The first one with Gene Wilder was funny, you know, had the songs. It was a lot, it was weird. You know, it was mm -hmm. for the time, 1971 was crazy weird. Well, now yep. that with the Gene Wilder one, is that one of those movies yep. that everyone involved in the production was doing LSD and stuff? I, I, I was going to say, it's like an acid trip, the first okay. one. You know, it's know in that same period, like Easy Rider, you know, around right. that same time, you know, right. from the end of the 60s into the going into the early 70s, you know, mm -hmm. with like Free Love and Freak Out and stuff like that, you know, Zappa and the Mothers and all that stuff. Because that's yeah. a, around the same time, yeah. a lot Ken, of that Saturday Ken morning Keith. children's TV. Well, like uh, HR yeah. Puff and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah, all that weirdness, you know, came out of that flowery, yeah. psychedelic, you know. But, uh, yeah, the new one's great. It's not as flowery and psychedelic, but it was really cool. It's more steampunk, you know, than uh, – uh, but when in that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory role, doll universe, you know, it was really good, man. Really enjoyed it. Dan, you seen anything? I finally watched that John, what's his name, Cassetti, the guy that played Fredo. How do you say it? Uh, John Cassell. Cassell, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I finally watched that documentary. I was really disappointed because it's only thirty nine minutes. Yeah, when you texted me that, I was shocked. I was like, because like on the bonus features, they had Al talking. They had Al's entire interview, which was twenty minutes. Mm -hmm. I was like, at the very least, they should have included more Al to make it. You know, almost an hour. They could have. Asked, I mean, he's dating Meryl Streep at the time he got sick, and Al says, as good as her acting is, she's never been better. And how she stood by him while he was sick. So she talked briefly. You could have asked her about what was it like for her when he was sick. Mm -hmm. And there, were, I mean, it just was so short. I mean, I was like, why did I buy this? Yeah, but it looks like it looks so good, but it's like so brief. It almost looked like what I watched was the trailer and not the. Wow, how much did you pay for the disc? Oh, it was only like ten dollars. It just, I'm just saying, it should have been. It felt incomplete. It felt like the first half of the game, and then I didn't watch the second half or something. <laughs> That's but wild. he had lung cancer. I didn't know. Uh, I knew he died early, and um, you know they briefly touch on the fact that Nero. Uh, paid his salary or paid all of his insurance so he could be in the deer hunter and all that they could have talked more about that like you know why how much did he pay you know uh, right. why did de niro fe feel so like passionate about him like they just there were so many questions they could have followed up on and, and didn't yeah i want to see this jack uh reacher uh oh, that was series. Great, man. yeah i know tooch loves uh yeah season one was fantastic man season yeah. two is pretty darn good too <laughs> yeah i i gotta check that out yeah all right guys i think uh it is time uh to pull the plug on this episode of bear their souls dan aguirre big day for you tomorrow uh you go under the knife so to speak at what time <laughs> 8 a.m east is it they, are they gonna are they gonna knock you out I think they're just going to give me a shot in the fucking cyst, and and I'm sure that's going to be terrible. Yeah, but I, I'll have to take like, it. Uh, be unconscious, you know. Get that Michael Jackson propofol cocktail, yeah. you know, and just like you know, 
Is anybody going with you tomorrow, Dave? No, I called them today and asked, should I refrain from eating or do I need someone to drive me home? And the lady was like, no, you should be fine. Wow. So again, I think that I'm awake. I think that they're just going to inject like a numbing painkiller thing into the cyst and then cut it out. Man. That's like uh, the second time they had to go into my arm that I was like... uh, they gave me a sedative, but it didn't make me fall asleep. I was just like yeah. really fucking mellow. So that's yeah, probably did you the same feel thing. Feel anything or me? Oh yeah. uh, no, I I didn't. Uh-huh. I I you know I felt exposed because they were shaving the hair around my groin area, so my dick is hanging out. And there's <laughs> <fucking> <laughs> <back>. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> Damn. That, that's all I felt. But Too bad actually, it wasn't I, a porn, Aldo. They could have been like, well, let's make him feel even better and somebody blows you. Yeah, you know what? You know, <laughs> yeah, ask for the fluffer. The only the only time I ever shot photographs or, or anything like that during sex, I you know, I, I got this roll of film that I have to get developed. And so I'm thinking, well, where the fuck am I gonna take it? You know, because somebody <laughs> somebody could, you know, make copies for themselves and stuff. Well, Robin Williams movie with those a photo developer. One hour oh, photo. Yeah, one hour yeah. photo. Don't yeah, good movie. Yeah, yeah, don't take it there, right? <laughs> so I, I take it to a place downtown, and for some reason I didn't notice that. It, it's because it was like a 24 hour, not, not even 24 hours it was you drop them off in the morning and you get them at five o'clock or something like that and then the machine that develops the, fo- the photos was right on out on the main window on michigan avenue i was working downtown at the time and so i didn't realize my fucking photos of me having sex are coming down this conveyor belt and <laughs> people oh, God. can probably see that so when I went at five o'clock nice. to pick him up, you know, the guy is like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we got him right here." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm still bin number thirty nine. Yeah, here it is. Yeah, it was good, man. <laughs> bin number sixty nine. <laughs> you yeah, mean? 69, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so every time I go to Pornhub or something, I'm expecting to see a gallery shot of me, <laughs> me in my early twenties having sex with a woman. PJ thinks Dan's gonna be on Doctor Pimple Popper. <laughs> that would be wild <laughs> yeah the other thing i want yeah. to tell you dan is that if if they're going to give you any sedative at all then they would have told you to bring a yeah driver. you'd have to fast too and you need a driver yeah that's yeah. what i asked uh, do i need yeah. to re- refrain from eating and do i need to bring somebody they told me no you quote you should be fine that's an exact direct quote zach says it's a local anesthesia so yeah um I don't know anything about that shit, but uh, good luck to you tomorrow. Uh, let yeah, me know Danny. as soon as you get out, uh, and then we'll uh, spread the word all over social media that they Yeah, the main thing is they told that. me already, uh, allegedly, they told me it wasn't cancer. Again, yeah. that was the thing, because, again, I couldn't even move my head. It was so sore that if I turned my head, it felt like it would take my breath away from me because it was infected. Of course, I didn't know what was wrong, and it was the size of a golf ball at the time. You couldn't even touch it. I couldn't lay down. So, I mean, again, I thought they were going to have to do a biopsy. And the girl, the the dermatologist was like, no, no, I've seen enough. That's not cancer. You have a cyst. You have to get it removed. It's going to, you know, the antibiotics made it small. It's like a dime. But she said, like, if you don't cut it out, it's going to come back. It could manifest again. Right. So you got to cut it out. You got to get the fuck out of there. 
Well, make sure you have the right wristband and ask a lot of questions. I yep. don't want you to come out and say they fucked up and removed my testicles. <laughs> 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 that would be a disaster. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't want them to get any uh, uh, blood or pus on a, on one of my Fields jerseys either. So I better not wear one of those. Have you ever had that, uh, uh, what is it, that propofol cocktail before, Danny? No, I've never had any kind of surgery unless you count that uh, root canal. Which, again, let me point out, I did not have a cavity. I just brushed the enamel off of my teeth somehow. Although you've had that where they knock you out. It's like you count down from 100, you get to like 98, and you're like. Oh, yes. In fact, it's like uh, two seconds of euphoria, you know? Yeah. It's yes. like the best feeling in, in the world. You're like, oh, it really oh, is. Man. It really is. Yes. Woo, oh, I could have this every day, boy. <laughs> yeah. Too bad Dan's not going to have that. I know. I don't want that. I, I don't want that. I'm I, again. My you dad was an now. addict. You so, say that now. No, my dad was an addict, and I could be too. So I don't want. I don't want to experience that. Yeah. Well, I'll drink to that. Um, all right, guys. Uh, great job tonight. And uh, Dan will be talking tomorrow and also Buffon 55 tomorrow at 730. Yeah. John is back from his two-week hiatus. And earlier than that, it'll be the Mac and Reed show at 6 p.m. And then earlier than that, it's Bardon Talking Hockey with Parisi and Mueller. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Be well, Joe.